Everybody, today we got a bang out of an episode. We got two special guests talking about everybody's favorite weird yet super competitive deck, Lance. One of the guests is going to be Albert Lindblom, also known as Ally on MTGO. And he recently started a big competitive Lance project, as he calls it. And spoiler alert, we are in season two and he already jumped the shark and used Lance to qualify for the Pro Tour playing Legacy. So we're going to talk a lot about that. And our second guest friend of the podcast as well, Kurosh Alizadeh, and he's here to introduce us to pandrawail.com. You, you know how the deal works in Legacy, right? If you're a non-blue deck, eventually, if enough people like to play it, there will be a website, and this is what Kurosh is doing for Lance now. We will also talk about that project and also how it's intertwined with what Albert is doing. And of course, for the first half of the episode, we're going to talk about Lance itself, the deck, where it comes from, what it does, why it's winning so much. Like just this February, I think it won something absurd, like 50% of all the Sunday Legacy Challenges. So grab your next favorite basic land of choice, get a Sharpie, write down the Tabernacle and Pandora Whale, and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome everybody to Everyday Tournament number 119, your favorite most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our brand new Patreon supporters, Hanover Elf, Tim Grant and Christoph. Thank you so much. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. It's a full house today, Callum, but before we introduce our guests, uh, what have you been up to? I think I, I saw something on, on Twitter that you played in the finals of a Warhammer 40k Pro Tour or something? You played against Team Ingeland. Like, what the fuck is going on, man? Yeah, um, we didn't... Yeah, so Warhammer is a game that yeah, I've mentioned a few times in the podcast. It was like a great kind of time sink uh, over lockdowns and things because you like loads of modeling to do. And obviously the competitive spirit in me had to get to playing tournaments and stuff. So this was my fifth tournament. I've gone three, two, like the games take three hours long. So like you play five rounds or six rounds usually. And um, I've gone like two, three or three, two, at a few of the events and stuff, which I was very happy with. This one this weekend was a team event. So I played with some other magic players you'll know, uh, Ethan, who is Boss Krenko, Francis, who is FGC, the Lord, as you say, and uh, Nicholas and John, who are also magic players and they're judges and stuff. Shout out to all of them. They were like such a sick team. And we went into it thinking, look, we're going to be happy with going 3-2. 4-1 is the aim because that would be like punching above our weight. There was some like killer, killer teams there. And well, we made it to the finals, which was just insane. We just like played super well, super tight. Most of the weekend made less mistakes than our opponents as a lot of these games go. And what's crazy is, is one of the other teams we played, we drew with. And it's like... At the end of it, because each game you can score up to 100 points and then you work out the differential. And so each team is scoring about 450 to 500 points if you're scoring well. And so our draw was seven points difference and you have to have a differential of 10, 10 points or more. So that was already crazy. And then what separated us and getting us into the final was three single points out of like 550 for the differential for us to get second and them to get third. And then in the final was 
literal Team England who play internationally, uh, who are the current reigning world champions as well from a couple of years ago. <laughs> and you smashed them, right? <laughs> we, we, when uh, John had kids he needed to go home to, uh, we, we were like all exhausted, including them. We were all like, we kind of were thinking like it's gonna, we're going to get crushed. And, um, but we did end up playing and we did lose pretty soundly, like four of them won. And Nick, um, he, he won his match against like, you know, really punched up. And Ethan Boskrenko also was almost winning his game, like is super tight. So we were like, holy shit, we didn't get like completely smoked. So yeah, this was just like crazy. It was, it's, it's a game that's overwhelmingly complex. It's really like just, I'm still like, you go against armies and people where you still don't even know lots of their rules. You have to work things out on the fly. It's, it's a game of open information. So you ask people what things do, but there's just so many rules. It's, it's hard to describe really. <laughs> Is it more complex than magic? Oh, by so much. It's Already, <laughs> like magnitude of 10 times or something. It's, it's like you, you're literally playing against a deck and you have no idea how that deck works. And that's like yeah. everything around. Yeah. Well, like, so the people that have been playing for years, they will just know things more and they, they learn, um, like just play patterns and stuff and they'll, they'll recognize changes. So there's like, I don't know, 15 different factions and armies and each one you, you build lists and they all have different loadouts and different synergies and different combos and all these different things. And you play. Uh, on missions and they change every six or 12 months and like everything is just constantly changing. So you need to keep up to date with it a lot. And there's always like one or two factions that are much stronger than the rest. There's one currently, which is like so you're much better than the rest. Sorry to interrupt you. You're literally describing like standard and magic for the last couple of years. Yeah, it kind of is like this is, but like to keep, so it's, it's very daunting for people that don't play it very much because to keep up to date with just your own army is hard for a lot of people because you, you don't just buy a few cards and add it to your deck or buy a new deck you need to buy like boxes and boxes of models build them paint them like the rules are like constantly changing as well and what's good into the metagame and stuff like that so it's like you need to have a bunch of time to dedicate to it and you need to be talking and thinking about it all the time and listening to podcasts and as we do with magic honestly there's a lot of parallels there so it's been a little thing where about a year and a half or two years ago i had a message that said, guys, sorry, I'm not going to get into Warhammer. I'm way too busy with magic. And now here <laughs> we are getting trophies. Uh, we got a nice big trophy each. Um, the best thing is our team is called Bog Squad, like uh, named after Bog Boys, which Ethan came up with, Boss Krenko. So um, yeah, we got to have the, the tournament organizer has to call us Bog Squad. And he's like, congrats to Team England and Bog Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, have they tried to like recruit you or something? Like that, you know, if this was like an anime or something, they would be like, oh, these, you know, these Bog Boys they, or Bog Squads, they, I don't know, they're so good, but they're so weird. Like, why, why are they not called like Team London or something? <laughs> oh, we, we have to recruit them. We have to turn them into, into international competitors. We'll get this guy, cut him. Well, it's a stepping stone thing. It's like, uh, there we go to these London Opens, they're called. They're every three months currently, but there might be more coming up. And now we're starting to like meet the people that go to these and do well and stuff. So it's just like, it's similar to Magic in that way that you start making contacts and meeting people and then you go to more events and stuff. So Is that also like a, like somebody, like an Andrea Mingucci of Warhammer? Kind of, yeah. There's they're Americans. There's this uh, team called the Art of War, and they have like a house where they all live and stuff. And they are like the top top team with the top top players. But they all have incredible characters. Like uh, the most famous guy is a guy called Nick Nanavati, and he's very goofy and but also incredibly good at the game. And he's been around for forever. 
And then there's a guy called Richard Siegler, who is just by far the best player in the world. He wins every tournament he plays. And you call they call him the machine because he just <laughs> destroys everyone. Yeah, so I think, yeah, Nick probably is that guy. He's, he's yeah, he's, he loves the game. He's just been doing it his whole life, basically. Dude, and, and did, did you, like, qualify for, like, an international event? Or can, like, anybody go to an international no. event? No. So the difference between Warhammer and Magic is there's just no prizes in Warhammer. There's It's all about bragging rights and having a good time. So, like, we literally got a trophy and a little, uh, like, a signed thing saying, well done. <laughs> you know, Wizards um, really wants to know Games Workshop's location. Like, this sounds crazy. Like, people yeah, are yeah. buying, like, crazy. There's no prizes. Like, <laughs> no, it's like, te teach me your ways. <laughs> the thing is, running a Warhammer tournament, it just costs so much more as well. Because every table has to have lots of terrain, bigger setup. The tables need to be big and all this kind of stuff. So, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. It's very different to Magic, especially at a high level. Because the rules... A lot of the rules don't even make sense. So there is an actual rule in the main rule book that says, like, if you and your opponent can't decide uh, what to do, just roll off and <laughs> see what happens. It seems now, pretty abusable, not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. The thing is, it's a game that doesn't have, like, a grid either. So, like, your models move a certain number of inches. So there's definitely a lot of, like, you know, you've got to keep opponents honest. And a lot of them are honest. And, you know, our, my experience so far is there, there are some cheaters in the game, and they're well known, but... A huge majority are like just there for a good kind of time kind of thing because there's no prizes on the line there's nothing to like really really play for unless you're like a just a complete cheater at heart and then yeah, yeah I, was, I was gonna say like i mean as if cheating wasn't already like pretty like i don't know how do you call it uh I, I was just about to say the word, then my screen turned off because I didn't move my mouse for 10 seconds. <laughs> now I lost okay. the word. Pathetic, pathetic. Yeah, yeah. But, if it's, but it's even more pathetic to cheat when there's literally just fun on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just so. So because there's just, yeah, bragging rights and fun on the line, like you just don't encounter yeah. too many cool. cheaters. But yeah, so great weekend for me. Um, exhausted. You are standing up for like nine hours in the day minimum on Saturday and Sunday. And it is tiring. You, you, you know what? Actually, that sounds like it's actually a proper workout as opposed to playing Magic. Yeah, you, you need to get there for 9 a.m. For 9.30 start, you need to set up the table. And then you have like an hour or so lunch break. And then, yeah, you are just standing up for your game for three hours. Cool. And it's a grind. But it's awesome. awesome. Can't wait for more. What about you? What have you been doing? Uh, working, but uh, that's the boring part. Uh, but other than that, I, I started playing Elden Ring, but it only took me like three days to figure out which name I'm going to pick for my character and which <laughs> character class. <laughs> like my, my best friend and I, we were scheduled to play yesterday, and we did uh, two days ago, and we did play. And then after we played for like a couple of hours, I was like, okay, I'm gonna like keep playing, but tomorrow I'm gonna make a new character because I wanna play something else. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But now I'm 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 pretty hooked on it. I'm really hooked on it. Uh, we we will see how how long I'm gonna stay with it. But all these from software games like I don't know Bloodborne, Sekiro, uh, Dark Souls, or stuff that that really resonates with me. Out of all the I guess quote unquote modern games, these are the games that I enjoy the most. See, I'm I'm probably resisting this game, but it does look amazing. I'm not really a games person. I like buy something and then play it for two hours and then stop. But if I get really deep into games, I get really, really, really deep. And I've already got Magic and Warhammer and music stuff going on. I don't know how much more. <laughs> there's only so much time, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. But In speaking of there's only so much time, there, there's a legacy deck that is somewhat known for taking a lot of times. There's only uh, so much time until you can cast your spells, until you, all your lands are gone. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, sometimes the, the entire match is over in five minutes. It's, it's the beauty of lands, formerly known as 42 lands, 
38 lands, 37 lands. The, the deck, like only the deck name alone, alone has such a long history. Uh, I when I started playing, it, I think it was even like 50 or something lands. But over over time, <laughs> um, the the number has decreased every single year. So eventually, we're gonna get to a watch this 20 land stack. Like, I was gonna say, wait until we have lands with like yeah, 10 lands, but just all combo pieces and or something. <laughs> Cool. And for this, we're going to have two guys on. We're going to have Alay on and we're going to have Kursh on. So, guys, how's it going? Thank you so much for coming onto the show tonight. It's an honor, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And yes, you'll be happy to hear that we're actually going up in lands. Now. Oh, you're so going we, up we, in lands again? Yeah, we, we used to be 34 for the longest of time. And now we are at 35 and thinking about 36. That feels right, you know, like... I remember, I think, the first time hearing about the deck, and it was 42, maybe it was 38, roughly. Um, that's when I was like first hearing about it. It's like, yeah, it's so cool that it's like, yeah, probably two-thirds lands. And then as you get more and more, like, just good spells that fit in the deck, you know, when p people start to trim on Richardson Ports, you're like, oh, this is sad. Yeah. But yes. I mean, trimming Richardson Port, that is really, really sad. I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're lucky Port is good now. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. I think when port is good, this is like goes what, back to what Julian thinks a lot. When port is good, or when like death and taxes is good, it's probably a good meta game. I yeah, agree. It's just a good magic. That that's what people want to see. Even though lands, like lands, has a tendency to make people miserable, right? I mean, we've all been there. You, you have matches <laughs> against lands where you're like, fuck. Like I've lit. Like I think there's no deck in Legacy that had had made me think. You know what? I'm just gonna concede here because I don't want to play the shit out anymore. There's literally <laughs> no other deck that makes me feel that. I guess Top Miracles when it was around, but for Top Miracles, it was the villain. I hated it. I wanted to beat it. I wanted them to be miserable with me. Whereas with Lance, it's like, oh yeah, no, whatever. Concede, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. If, yeah. for, for my history, like I used to play so much Shardless, and I just got beat up by Lance so goddamn much. Like as sometimes, you should. yeah, as, as you should, and it was fair. And like God, I there was like um one lands player at our shop so we play all the time and it just felt like every time I had like the medley maze draw to name Death, Punishing Fire it would just be like a quick combo and whenever you had like the the wasteland with Liliana they would have the Punishing Fire grinding hand and you're just like oh, I can't do anything I'd get wrecked by it so much but it was like the best way to learn it so I've been brutalized by lands so much over the years and but it is just like this beautiful deck in the format there's nothing else like it there's nothing else like it in any other format either right um it's just completely unique and it stayed unique and it stayed, stayed good in Legacy as well, which is so cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I think when the deck came up, I, I got into it in like 2010, 2011. That's where I played it a lot. Back then I bought a Tabernacle for 95 euros and I was like, dude, I'm getting so ripped off because this is just like excellent minus. And I will never forget that when I bought it because the, the guy wanted 100 and I was like, no way I'm paying 100 for this. This is not like pristine condition. <laughs> and yeah, then I really got into lands and interestingly because i wanted to beat up on all the stupid uh tempo decks I, I just wanted to be there and like maze of it maze of it maze of it everything uh but that that was a very 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 different version of lands than what people play today i, I think with lands there's basically three stages and i'm very very quickly gonna cover the first two before we move into what legacy looks right uh, legacy lands looks like right now so the version i played is the one that's somewhat based on what's still going on but people played Intuition, people played Mindslaver, Smokestack. Uh, that, that's the kind of thing you did because we didn't have the Dark Depth combo yet. We had no proper way to finish the game. We had to get there, you know, either the, the 13 mana um, Mindslaver lock or we had to do the Mishra's Factory, Mishra's Factory beatdown. And that's... 
I remember seeing like factories or Creeping Tarpet sometimes or Gargoyle Castle as well or Nanticoon Monastery. Creeping Tarpet was introduced when Chase became a thing because Chase initially Mm. didn't really like catch on and we so we didn't really have to do anything about it but when chase became a thing that was the thing like the it was either creeping tarpet or celestian colonnade but creeping tarpet was just like better because this way you could actually pressure chase and attack chase and maybe remove it otherwise the, the card would completely wreck you and the deck existed as, as this kind of like puzzle deck it wasn't i guess in a way it also was um a, a, a prison deck but Overall, it, it, it really was like a puzzle. I, I remember I was sitting there, I was just like goldfish it to see what, what I could do, how it would structure my turns. And, and that was a lot of fun. That was one of the most fun I've ever had playing a Legacy deck. But that's the second iteration of Lens. The first iteration of Lens is absolutely crazy. The first iteration of Lens is really just, I want to get as many Lens to play as quickly as possible, and I want to just like beat you down. The deck played four Mishra's Factory, uh, three to four Treetop Village, three Nantuku Monastery, literally just like, I have Mana Bond, I have Exploration, and I even have Mulch. Like, Mulch we're going to talk about, I guess, later in the episode, because the card is somewhat making a comeback. Um, for those who don't know, by the way, I think Mulch is like Sorcery, two Mana, you reveal the top four cards, put all the lands into your hand, and the other ones into the graveyard. That's that's pretty busted in, in, in a land stack. At least it was back then. Combo with that Sorcery I see at the bottom of the deck list. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that deck is... That deck is uh, powerful again, just putting a bunch of creatures in play. That's the new land strategy. <laughs> yeah, because rather than like just yeah, ports and monasteries, you have these uh, constructs, right? Yeah, yeah and this new lands build is just Field of the Dead, Mega Million Zombies turn two, just the same <laughs> aggro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you are just like a tokens deck, right? Yeah, I definitely often play zero creatures. But yeah, this is it's just wild to think. Like, Nanakrim Monastery is like... It's yeah, you need threshold right, and it's cost two mana, green and white, to make it a four-four first strike. I'm trying to remember all these old cards, um, but yeah, because there was a time I think probably because uh, like when Jarvis won uh, GP, you know, have to remind me which GP it was. Was it uh, Seattle 2013? Seattle sounds no, no, or 15, 15, I believe. Sounds sounds about right. I remember that was like you you were comboing a lot, right? You were winning with the combo. Uh, sometimes you're punching fire people out, like you would just get the game state into a state where you just couldn't lose, and then you're just like, okay, I can punch and fire you forever. But um, I guess the, the mirrors were quite weird. I remember playing a few then. You both have a merit lage staring at each other, and it was pretty common not to have a cracker. So you're just like, okay, well, here's a it's a race to punching fire. But uh, yeah, I guess the mirror is especially weird when when you both have the opportunity, you know, to to thespian stage the opponent's dark depth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the yeah, best. yeah, yeah. Playing out, playing, playing out dark depths in the mirror is <laughs> feels so bad. Every time we do, it, like, oh, maybe now is a good point, you know, because I, I, you know, I don't want to waste the land drop. And then, like, oh no, <laughs> why did I, think, I do that? Yeah, I think it's like you guys with so in painter mirrors, I cut down to one painter or cut all of them. It must be the same for lands mirrors, where you just like, yeah, get this card out of here. <laughs> it works for both of us. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what my favorite part about the, uh, the very early build of lances. We're looking at the deck list right now that won the legacy, the German Legacy Championships in 2008, Sasha Thompson. And literally, this land stack has three Armageddon in the sideboard. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I literally can't Very tell symmetry. you what it is for. Like, I wasn't that competitive back then. Uh, I, I just noticed it. There probably was some, like, blue-white land still decks. I don't know. Yeah, but wouldn't you play, like, Boil then? Maybe like, you don't want to kill just islands. Yeah, but they also had, like, you know, uh, planes and, and stuff like Misha's Factories and stuff. 
And I remember when Glacier, I guess Glacier, Glacier Fortress later on became a thing to play around choke and stuff. Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. it has other things to do. Mr. Yeah. Gate. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> the Joe, the Joe wait, Lawson special. Wait, wait, wait. Was it the land stack that played Armageddon or yeah. the... That makes... Oh, okay. Yeah, that's just like the... And no Flagstones? crazy land like... of 2008. Yeah. <laughs> I guess flags well, do not printed. You just blow up yeah. all their lands and you're back on the table in a couple turns. Yeah, yeah especially if you have, like, if you have mana, mana bond, bond, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's pretty smart. I like it. Let's bring it back. Come on, guys. Bring Armageddon back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I've actually played the, the other one. The the white... Uh, the, four. the one that plays in Death and Taxes. It's... Uh, oh, Cataclysm. Cataclysm. Cataclysm, yeah. I played that with Flagstones. That card just destroys control decks, so... Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Why don't we, uh, yeah, have a... Oh, do, do you have the second era? Tell us, Julian. No, no, that, that was... The, the that second was era I was talking about was pretty much, like, when I started playing, it's, it was what people called, like, control lands. Like, like basically, went lands. from beatdown lands to control lands to combo lands. Yeah, yeah. So, it used to play, like, intuition, and then you would use academy ruins and expo engine explosives, like, mostly, just to keep everything off the board forever. And you're still just making your land drops and porting and wastelanding. And yeah, that was like the actual anaconda of all decks. It was just like the slow grip would get you more and more. I think that's my favorite play style of lands. And just looking at these old deck lists has made me like, I want an intuition for like Raven's Crime and Loam and something, <laughs> yeah. Oborg or whatever again. That sounds fun. Yeah, Did you that's count beautiful. Saga Lands as the next one? Is that the fourth no, edition? No, no. I, th I think the fourth edition is the Ramp Land. So that's Field of the Dead and Euro. Oh, okay. That's the and then Sog is probably the fifth one then. That's Agrolands, <laughs> I would say. Agrolands. Yeah. That, that's just like this tendency and for people who play a certain archetype a lot that they like heavily differentiate between all the different builds of it. Like people from the outside yeah. they look at it, lands. Like you know, like a like an ape with a club. <laughs> it's it. It makes a sound. Lands. <laughs> I can't wait to switch two Delver cards to new deck. The Delver discussion is like, no, this is one Pyroblast main deck Delver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. It's, it's like in Winter, right? When you change, change four cards, it's a completely different archetype and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, we, for, I think the, the thing we want to talk about uh, right now is the, if we can call it the standard build of lands, because, oh my God, this name, Promid Knights? Is that the right name? Yeah. Matt Brown? Yeah. It's the weirdest way to spell it. I think he even mentioned <laughs> on Twitter that he wants to change his nickname. Okay. I, I fully support that. <laughs> he won, I think, Two of the last three legacy challenges uh, this this month alone playing lands. Like, what the fuck is going on? Why? Why? I mean, lands has always been around, right? And at times, lands has been tier one. But it feels like over the last couple of months, it was all Dava, 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 Doomsday, Dava, Doomsday. And I mean, we, we were part of that hype, I guess. But all of a sudden, lands comes around and completely wrecks everybody. Guys, what's going on? Like, first of all, can you give us a short breakdown of. Like what the the standard approach to lands is these days? Like, what are you trying to accomplish with lands? Like, what are the standard game plans, and why is that working so well right now? Sure, I can give it a shot. There's probably the standard build is uh, red green saga lands. You have basically, well, Ali, maybe add to this if I'm if I'm missing anything. Probably three main blank game plans. You have saga beatdown. You have Merit Lage, of course, and you have just uh, denying all their mana and wasting them into oblivion over a really long game. And uh, each of those is good against different things. Yeah, uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, that is fine. I, I agree that uh, Sog Saga Lance is the standard right now. And 
uh, yeah, it, it has kind of. So I defined. I mean, we have a few. Um, we have a few strategies that we can do. So, so we we always have prison, right? Because we have uh, wastelands and, and loam uh, and Richard port. Uh, so we we kind of a prison aggro deck, or in some matchups, and uh, we are prison combo deck in some matchups, and a prison ramp deck in some matchups. <laughs> uh, and yes, yes, the prison deck in in in, in, in some. Um, so so it's sort of um, it's a lot of different different um, strategies that we can play in in a game, and some of it depends on the matchup, but also some of it depends on our hand, start hand. Yeah, that's what I would imagine, right? Like uh, from my experience playing lands, your your opening hand, if it's keepable, heavily dictates the way that you're going to approach the game because it's not like in other decks where you feel like, oh, I'm I'm going to try to like push the game into this direction. Like if your opening hand as a quick mirrored large, and you, you feel like it's a viable approach to the matchup, then you will probably go for it, and yeah. you will not try to push it in a different direction, unless you, you believe that this is not like a, like a viable approach to the matchup, then you might just mulligan. But I think that's just like a thing for a lot of non-blue decks, especially because you don't get to like you know, ponder and brainstorm your way into certain strategies. Uh, yes, I, I, I agree. I mean, your starting hand dictates what, what you can do a lot of the time. Uh, but it kind of depends. If your start hand has life from the loam and exploration, then, you know, you're kind of drawing three cards per turn. So so then then you have a lot of options. But you, you, you will have to mulligan a lot when you're playing lands because you need exploration on Mox Diamond. I, I think it's so seldom that I keep anything without that. Unless I know I'm playing against control and I'm on the play probably, but... This is like my, my rule zero. So whenever I play lands, if a hand doesn't have exploration on Mox Diamond, you've got to have a really, really, really good reason to keep it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So, so you have to mulligan quite a lot of those because you don't have that. And then you need to mulligan because you don't have green mana a lot of the time as well. <laughs> so you often go to five. But the thing is your best five card hand is so much better than a b bad seven card hand. So it's... Uh, so it doesn't really matter that much that you mulligan, I think. That's a really good way to put it. I like that. And I think you could probably take that advice for a lot of decks as well, right? Maybe blue decks need the card quantity more. But um, yeah, when you when you have these different game plans, like you say, you need things to line up as well. Like having a dark depth when so you don't have access to like a crop rotation or a thespian stage. It's pretty dead cards, as you say. You know, It might be bad in the matchup as well if you're playing against a a blue-eye control deck, like you don't want to be just sacrificing two of your lands to gain 20 life very often. Every card in your deck is like recursive value, you know? So you can have five cards and they'll just, those same five, you can play them over and over. If you can have builds of lands where there's no single card that goes to the graveyard without having gotten you another card. You know? You know, that, yeah. that's, that sounds like something that blue mages want to do. Like, value all over the place. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's funny that you uh, mentioned how that approach to mulligan things work because that has been my impression when I played elves against lands, like the modern lands. It's, people sometimes ask me, like, what is the matchup like? And I always tell them, when they don't have box diamond or exploration, I feel like I'm in a really good spot. But when they do have it, I'm in a really bad spot. And the, the way to sum up the matchup is usually like their best draw almost always will completely destroy your best draw. Like, I can have a turn two kill with elves in hand the best draw of lands will beat that. And that's why the matchup is so scary. Yeah, they, they sort of like... I mean, crop for Tabernacle is kind of like trading for Guy's Cradle, and as soon as you have the Wasteland or Port for the Cradle, everything starts falling apart, and you start like... Well, now lands is playing some bolts and stuff, or punching, firing, 
all the mana producers usually like uh whenever i've played against elves with lands i'm just like targeting the heritage druids i'll target the lamar elf uh get the korean ranger off the board if they have a uh, dried arbor that kind of stuff and yeah. uh a lot of the time, I felt like you need to just like fade natural order for a turn or two. I hope they don't have the land and the and the natural order. But if they just miss that beat, then they they get so far behind. But yeah, why don't we talk about like a little bit about Matt's list? Like, is this what you guys would say stock? So he he has three sphere of resistance in the main deck, which is I know it's been played a lot in the past in the sideboards, but main deck I saw him. I think he's won both challenges with these main deck as well, right? No, I think I it think was the, the first one. Was- yeah, the second one is Ali's list. He just copied it. Oh, okay. My bad, <laughs> my bad. Yeah. The, <laughs> oh, I see. The now. second yeah, yeah. one is Endurance <laughs> main deck. Okay, so let. Okay, uh, so there, there's so give, much give I want to say about this. Yeah. Okay. So. Do it. Uh, so first of all, I think we didn't really finish the last questions. So, so why is Lance so good? I think Ursa Saga has done like phenomenal uh, amount of work for, for Lance as an archetype. Uh, also, in terms of Mulligan, I mean, imagine this hand like Ursa Saga, two other lands, and Exploration. That's four cards, and uh, that's four cards, and that will beat most most other most other hands. Unless your opponent has a wasteland, I think you're gonna win any fair matchup almost with that because you will make some constructs, then find a map to find another Saga, and you can just keep on chaining maps, and it will just spin spin out of control from from a four card hand. Uh, so that's pretty pretty impressive. And then against all the combo decks, it finds like you know someone found this tron foundry like a one-man <laughs> artifact that just it's like endurance uh, on an artifact and i didn't know that that card existed but that now ursa saga is like a two-turn clock against doomsday which has been a really hard matchup before uh, so and also it's really good against reanimate so it's sort of you have these hate hate cards against combo that you can find uh, and you against combo you would have to mulligan a lot uh, to find like a, a spear of resistance and that Ursa Saga works really well with that as well because spear of resistance is like a Thalia that gives all your creatures plus one plus one which is also insane in, in when you're playing aggro or prison aggro oh, okay so you're saying you're not going to get the sphere of, of the saga because you can't do that but just no. like playing it makes it so that your clock is increased yeah I mean imagine if you do Mo- Mox Saga Spear that's your turn mm-hmm. one that's yeah. Like, how can you even lose? Unless your opponent has <laughs> yeah, a wasteland. Like, <laughs> yeah, there are ways. Yeah, but I mean, I think people get get surprised on how little time they have. Once we like, yeah, sure, they can they can like find a, a meltdown or whatever. But you don't have a lot of turns to 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 kind of find. You can't stumble at all. Um, so, so what what I'm getting is that you're saying. Um, other than what previously used to be a thing in lands, where you either like do the, the the anaconda move, you constrict them, or you go all in the twenty twenty, you now have found a way to to find smaller incremental, more granular advantage that will bleed out your opponent without completely going like quote unquote all in on like a twenty twenty flying Marit large. So you can instead of doing that, just like kill them over like say two yeah. three turns. Yeah, I think you have a way. I think I think Ursa Saga in the lands is uh, it's really good against spot removal, like sword splashes and prismatic ending. Uh, that that's not like a favorable exchange for the control deck. It's also really good against force of negation. That was a huge problem before. Uh, so with like Valakut Expiration, if we it's su- such a tempo play from the control deck, so we tap out for Valakut, 
means we can't port them next turn. And then they can just force it and then untap and cast something big like Jace or Narset or... Mm-hmm. But that that doesn't happen with Ursa Saga, right? Because it can't be countered. I think it's added right. a lot against fair decks. Uh, and also what I've noticed is because I was kind of skeptical in the beginning about Ursa Saga because it spends all your mana in the early terms. But what I noticed when I play like against Death and Taxes, and I've tested this quite a lot to just... The game plan is just to do maximize Saga every turn. I try to find a way to just make tokens and crop rotate it away in, in response to the third chapter to find another Saga and just, just maximize the effect. And it beats Death and Taxes all their hands except turn two stone fortunes to call her complete but then even then saga kind of because that's what's another game that someone found uh shadow spear so shadow (laughs) spear has like first of all it wins any race you can race like merc tides with shadow spear and then it has you can pay one mana to make your opponent's stuff lose indestructible or whatever it is hex an indestructible so you can destroy the calder complete uh, with something like Buseju or Force of Vigor. So it's kind of, it's a really cool addition as well, I think. I wonder how many times I've missed that interaction. Probably quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I had missed that a lot as well, yeah. yeah. You can use it to kill their Merit Lasers with your Merit Lage too. It's pretty nice. You have your that's 121 cool. Trample flying. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That's so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, is, that is something, when I started playing lands, I attacked with my Merit Lage into my opponent's Merit Lage. I think it was against Tom Hap, <laughs> and he just blocked. And then uh, uh, and then I thought both would die, but no one died, and then he killed me <laughs> on the backswing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The other thing but, Saga does is, like you were saying, Julian, how like your opening hand really tells you what to do. But uh, you play crop rotation, now you have Urza Saga, which is really expedition map in disguise, so you have like eight crop rotations at minimum. So you can really do a lot of different things depending what you want in the matchup, because you have eight tutors in a sense. And that's a minimum if you don't play Reclaimer or anything else. So Yeah, I found like just having it's the pivot needle that always caught me off guard. Like yeah. <laughs> again, not just from me playing painter a lot, it's like playing anything. Like, it makes you crack your fetches like in response because like obviously the manage now is a serious thing from your deck or like i don't know just naming like a, a khan or something against eight cast or sometimes if you, you don't have a saga draw like you're going to manage now play just naming saga as well can be very good once yours have popped off and you've got your constructs like you're, you're ahead on the saga race like the utility this little pivot needle brings to the deck is incredible really i feel like has that like solved or helped solve a lot of troublesome permanents or matchups sometimes it's very good in green-white deaths, or, you know, against green-white deaths. Yeah. Which is one of the harder matchups. Oh, yeah, because I guess you name knight, usually. Yeah. Yeah, you just wait till they put one down and you needle their tutor creature, and yeah. now it's just a beater. Yeah, seems great. Tell us so, a bit about some of the other stuff, like... Oh, yeah, you can carry on telling us about this um, Sphere of Resistance list, and then, like, Endurance yeah, is so, another so, big so thing, I think, I think what happened was that when... When we started maximizing Saga, I think people discovered that we were beating the fair decks uh, very consistent, consistently. So we were always good against Delver, but now all of a sudden we were really good against the control decks and against the sort of mid-range death and taxes decks. Should we mention the Thespian stage thing that is uh, so that good against well, control? Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So this just little anecdote. Um, the first London Monthly that we did back, a bunch of people played lands and we had like five or six judge calls asking, how did it work? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I think I so once did us. it like a couple of episodes ago where I explained how it works and I've promptly forgotten how it actually works ever since again. Yeah. So can you give us the <laughs> definitive rundown of how Thespian Stage interacts with the saga and bonus content, how it works under Blood Moon as well? Don't, sure, don't I wrote a little them. article about this, actually. <laughs> so, Perfect. Uh, uh, when you have Thespian Stage, you copy Urza Saga. Urza Saga is still there. That's great. It doesn't matter how many counters are in Urza Saga because Urza Saga gains abilities. And when you copy a permanent in Magic, you don't get any of the gained abilities. So that's why the Song of the Dryads trick works with Thespian Stage. But it's also like, if you play a clone and your opponent's creature has plus one, plus one counters, your clone doesn't get plus one, plus one counters, right? So the Saga gained the abilities. Me every day. <laughs> yeah. So the Saga gained the abilities, and that's great, but your stage is going to copy it, and it's going to have zero abilities. It cannot even tap for mana, because it hasn't had Chapter 1 happen yet. And then you're going to have to wait till Chapter 1 triggers. Now your stage can tap for mana. Chapter 2 triggers. Now your stage can make constructs, just like uh, Urza's Saga. Chapter 3 triggers. And now your stage is going to uh, go find an artifact. But uh, if your stage is not a saga land when uh, the chapter 3 resolves, it's not going to be sacrificed because it's not a saga with three counters anymore. It's a normal land with three counters. So it'll stick around. But... So, so even like when you get the trigger for the third counter, can you activate Thespian Stage to copy something else? Yeah, you, you should probably that? copy a basic land or something else that's cute, you know? Yeah. And now you'll have a forest that can make constructs still because the same uh, thing that makes gained abilities, the same thing that makes gained abilities not get copied means that they stay when you copy something else. So now you're a forest with a construct and you can also tap for colorless because you gained that from the first thing if you want to do that. This is such a strong like sub plan of... I mean, I guess we've seen control kind of shift more and more to days undoing kind of combo show and telly, whatever control, quote unquote. Um, but against like kind of traditional removal based control, like I don't see how they ever beat the saga just being a basic forest. It's just this like, yeah, endless the, stream of things. Exactly. Even the days undoing deck, they do that. They draw seven cards. There's like a brainstorm, a force of will, another guy, another like another planeswalker in there. Great. Just keep making constructs, and they all have it as a three-two and an R set. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, uh, I've definitely beat them days undoing me a couple times. Yeah, actually, that makes sense. I was just like, yeah, it's almost like game over, but no, it's really not. Is it like you've got <laughs> no. your hand? It's on the board already. <laughs> yeah, you just need yeah. to. Yeah, you just need to hit go to the board quickly against that matchup. It's like a uh, pack right that doesn't die to removal. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you don't and even lose blood moon because it's a forest. Some, something I notice when I play against this Euro Trade Binder, because I think right now the control <laughs> decks are half of them are Euro Trade Binders and the other half are this Hull Breacher thing. Um, but against the Euro decks, what I discovered was that if you if you try to answer their threats, then they can't kill you in time on online. Yeah, like if yeah. if you have Caracas that 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 is kind of the so if you 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 I get saw gameplay I try to copy it with stage and then I find a map find Caracas 
and then it's so hard for them to kill me. It, it's sort of, you know, I make some constructs, they, they have dress down, you know, they ponder for a dress down, spend all their time, they cast Sylvan Library, which means, you know, they lose like seven minutes on the clock in game one from one card, which is just a losing. <laughs> like, I'm playing for the clock. I'm, I'm, I don't care about them drawing two, three extra cards. It doesn't matter at all. Uh, yeah, it's a very and, common thing. I, I noticed that too, especially when they were still only playing barn colors when they didn't splash like extra yeah. stuff. Or you you know sometimes people they they also notice that they need that extra aggression in in paper, uh, so they would sometimes play like field of the dead and that kind of deck. But that usually doesn't work very well against lands, I guess. No. And for me, what what happened to me when I was playing um, what's it called, chess guy Sagavan. I would just literally answer all their shit and Caracas their their Uro all the time and they would eventually deck. Like sometimes they would even get off uh, an endurance to reshuffle their graveyard and it still wasn't enough because their deck was literally all draw, removal, counter and then a bunch of things that I could answer and from there they literally just decked out. And for me yeah. one of the most fulfilling things was when I, I told that to Andrea, right? To Andrea Mangucci. And she told me, oh, Julian, you were right. Like, I, I literally I went to my tournament and I won two game ones just by decking them that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think yeah, I, the I, only scary I, card I'm is Life sure from Yeah, Life from and, and uh, Shark Typhoon, if they still play that. Yes. But Boseju helps that one a lot. Yeah, yeah I agree. Okay, so so apparently, like the vibe that I'm getting right now is that Lance is really good. I guess that's <laughs> that's what we make this episode far. Yeah, but... so I mean, Lance is extremely good against fair decks. The only fair deck that's hard to beat, I think, is uh, the blue Zenith deck, which isn't really played anymore. But that one is hard for red green lands because a primeval titan is a real clock. Yeah. Against us, and the ramen up is, is so good against. And then the I think, yeah, that is really good against lands. Oh yeah, you you can't really punish it. You you got a punishing fire twice, right, to make it go yeah. away. Yeah. And they also often have Leovold to punish you for it twice. <laughs> 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 yeah. And then the second one gets countered, and you're like, oh yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that deck doesn't really see a lot of play anymore. That's true. No, I mean, luckily. Yeah. But, but, but t tell us about like I guess combo, right? Like Doomsday players tell us they they eat lands for breakfast. Uh, is that so? Uh, well, so that that's kind of the things, right? So so we, so we don't need more cards for fair matchups. So we can cut all the Sylvan libraries and Valakut exploration, and that means we can we can fit anti combo cards in the main deck, which we haven't really been able to do before. Uh, so that's, that's why so people. Put, why would you ever do that? <laughs> so that's why people play Spear of Resistance, right? Or Endurance. I guess Endurance and Spear of Resistance kind of it's an anti combo card kind of good against different decks and then i also think if you want to beat doomsday as lands you just need to play ipnu rivulet oh that's the, the blue one that, that mills them for far right yeah yeah so so if you have that and fluster storms in the sideboard and throne foundry i don't think it's i think the matchup is kind of fine then but yeah, it's not yeah, especially the tempo doomsday build is actually pretty solid i think because the delver plan is bad yeah. and you yeah. can just race to merit lage and yeah. they don't have a ton of protection in their deck, so they can't yeah. turbo as fast. Yeah, yeah. I remember I played against that deck with uh, my good friend Martin Nielsen. Uh, Neville shot Neville shoot. I don't. I don't know how to pronounce this. <laughs> I like how literally he's your friend and you literally don't know. No, <laughs> he he not... was on our podcast. I think it's Neville shoot. Yeah, Neville shoot. Yeah, we play, He played on that. I think it was last week, and I asked him about it and said I don't understand. 
the, like those the creatures. And he said something like, "When last when last sticks." Uh, put so much effort beating us, we have to think outside the box. And then you complain about Ipnu Rivulet. <laughs> <laughs> stupid little uncommon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, if they slow down the Doomsday deck, that's also good for us. But I think mm. in general, Lance is still. I think it uh, was a canister that said that Lance is like 55% against blue, 30% against combo. And I still think that is true, kind of on a macro level. Okay. Uh, oh, what, that... what are the worst combo decks that you face? Like, which matchups do you really not want to sit across from? Well, it's the, the Serda decks type. Wait, <laughs> My baby. <laughs> Wait, they still exist? What? Uh, no, no. Trouble? I mean, they don't, but they Mystic Forged and whatever. Uh, Ali, Ali, Ali hated Zerda more than yeah. anything I've ever heard of anyone hating magic <laughs> things. Yeah. No, well, I hated Ar- Arkham's Astrolabe more than anything. Oh, okay, okay, but... <laughs> <laughs> I like how everybody has something, right? For me, it's Sensor's Divining Top, then you got Astrolabe. <laughs> uh, Callum, which card do you hate the most? Um, I Counterbalance, probably. Oh, Lucas I really Dorgan. hate <laughs> I like I liked Miracles, and I love Top. I really love the Top, because Pain sure, can sure. fit as well. But... Join me. T- tell me that <laughs> Counterbalance and Top were like the worst thing ever on Magic. <laughs> I used to like Counterbalance. I started playing Legacy oh, right on, after guys, Top seriously. got banned, though. <laughs> 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 my first deck was topless miracles and i just wanted to brainstorm things to the top and counter people yeah well no uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait no the other way around i was like i heard top there i was like yeah the top is fun like you can oh you can tap it to draw a card and then weld out sensitive divine top isn't that yeah. what you want to do <laughs> okay nice but but the i think in, in general really we 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 i we are still 30 percent against combo but and le- except that artifact combo, I think we can beat anything. Uh, it's just that we can't beat them at the same time. Yeah. Or with the same side. <laughs> 30% cyber, is yeah. a little low. I mean, I think Canister is being a little mean there. I think Reanimator, for example, I don't really feel unfavored against them. Doomsday, probably 30%, sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you think green-white depths is combo. No, but well, what I mean is, well, I guess how I interpret it is that... Uh, we can we pick two combo decks and we're good against mm. those. And then we may be, you know, 55, 60, oh, I don't know, 50 to 60% against those two. And the rest we will be really bad against. Like if we yeah, want to I beat like Reanimate, we will get crushed by Storm, probably. That's that's yeah. always been a, like a, a retrending theme, right, with uh, lands. And I think, it's, I think it's good deck building. I think your main deck, even though it's changed a lot over the past couple of years, like you, you still have the general plans and... I think you do still want to basically tailor the main deck for fair while the format's fair. Like, you know, it's good. Like, obviously, Delva and Uro Tradebinder, as you... I like that name, as you called mm. it and stuff. These decks are very popular, so it makes sense to be good against fair decks game one. And, yeah, like, 15 cards when your whole deck is, like, just good against, like, the, the fair decks is really hard to cover everything because you don't have mm. the things like Force of Will because you see the blue decks and they get to... And you don't have the cantrips either. Like, you have the... You have the um, saga and crop rotation a bit but they only go so far they're not like the ponders and brainstorms so i do agree that you need to go ham make sure you beat the things you want to beat and then you accept that you lose the things that you don't beat and those things you're choosing to be smaller percentage of the metagame yeah Uh, at least that's how i build and so right now i'm trying to beat delver Obviously, mm-hmm. then the, <laughs> okay. Tell us more. We, we uh, gotta get yeah. you a second episode. <laughs> uh, then, then the uh, trade binder deck, then Jeskai control, 
let me let me see i have my then we have death and taxes 12 percent of the winners meta in, in my statistics then we have elves is not that much like two three percent then i have reanimate still doomsday so the combo decks i'm targeting is reanimate and doomsday i don't really care about the rest sneak and show is not that much played but we get kind of free we're pretty okay versus them because we play so many pyroblasts for delver and then and we endurance have is good at everything yes I was about to say, it makes sense why I see two in the latest list now. Like, especially if you're going after Reanimator and Doomsday, Doomsday. Yeah. and Delva, like this card is just so the, good. The tool so, that and, does everything, yeah. And it's also really good against lands. So lands is also yeah. uh, and depths. I mean, Knight of the that, this is the answer to Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah, they attack with your their ten ten Knight, and you sneak in and do uh, an endurance. Feels so how come you just play two? Well, I'm thinking about playing three actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Ali and I differ on this. He likes the main deck one. I don't really play the main deck. They just don't synergize with the deck as a whole for me. But Yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, the the issue, sometimes you have these hands, exploration, three lands, and an endurance, and it's going to feel so bad that that is not the Valkyrie's exploration uh, or a Sylvan Library. Yeah, that, that is a fair critique that it's like just a good card and Lands is very much a synergy deck, right? I guess the biggest yeah. upside is that you get to add two additional sideboard slots, right? Yeah, if, exactly. If already playing them yeah. the main deck. But the thing stuff. is, yeah, and we were talking about that in Discord today, because we, we added two sideboard slots, and now we did a sideboard map, me and, and Netherlands, who, who made this build that won the, the last challenge. And we have like 63 cards against Delver both sides. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you Can you play 63 cards? <laughs> yeah. it's, something is wrong, I think. And then I'm thinking, okay, I got two more slots, but I want them against fair decks. I put Sylvan Library in those two slots. And then I'm thinking, what did I do, really? Like, I just moved to Sylvan Library to the sideboard and moved into sideboard cards. So I didn't really gain two sideboard slots. Though. Do you actually do your remove tabernacle against Delver? No. no. Okay. I don't know. I, I was just thinking. I, I would actually consider that. Removing <laughs> Tabernacle. That, that I is do think the, people go for it plan. too much. Oh, yeah? I usually just make Merit Lage as much as I can against Elver. The wait, Mana Denial is a real plan, though, and you need Tabernacle. Yeah, I, I agree that mo I mean, it's not as often as you would think. Like, it's maybe 20% 20, 20 of the games that you do Mana Denial. And eighty percent, you go merit ledge, or maybe yeah. more. So basically, like my, my thinking was, yeah. I was looking at the the main deck right now, and, and I was thinking, okay, so apparently you, you want to remove a couple more things potentially to bring in your really heavy hitting cards, and I just saw the tabernacle, and I, like I played the matchup out in my head a little bit, and I was like, yeah, it's it's okay, but you also you lose a land drop and stuff, and oh, but if you eh. get rid of it, you don't get to do one of the best feeling plays in the whole format, which is. Like they go turn one Delver, you go turn one Mox oh, Diamond, you or you bait you bait yeah. the days, and then you drop yeah. the natural tabby, and oh, you just get tingles down your spine. Yeah, yeah, so I love good. that, especially when you have two Mox Diamonds. Yes. <laughs> you yeah, think, yeah. oh, should I should I mulligan this? Time? No, no, I'm gonna bait the days. Yeah. yeah. You know that move needs a dedicated name or something. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. do this. I don't know oh, move. It feels so <laughs> you, good. It just feels get so them. Good. Yeah. We'll, we'll so, keep we'll keep tabs on that. Joel Grenahead actually sent in uh, the, probably the most important listener question of the entire episode, guys. <laughs> How do you organize your board in paper play? And do you even play paper in the first place, I guess? <laughs> that, that, that's a question, actually, because I, I see you all the time on Magic Online, right? But I, I don't know if you actually play yeah. paper. 
I do play in paper, yeah. I uh, but very seldom. I mean, I have two kids and I I can't really play that often. So I usually play the Danish Legacy Masters, but I think the last one was two years ago or something. I've been to Germany and played once again, also actually north in Germany. Uh, but I mean, it's a long, long time ago since I played in paper. I think it was two thousand. Okay, and so how do you organize your parts that when you do play in paper? The I mean, the for me the important thing is to have a lot of space for my graveyard because I want to be able to see all the cards in my graveyard. So I usually mm -hmm. have like a whole line for that uh, to the right, and then I I do think I have my permanence before my lands, which I guess many people don't. Yeah, that's that's what we're fishing for. I think Yol was trying to find out who plays lands in front. Yeah, <laughs> I think I might mix them a little bit. Oh my so god! So if, if my lands oh god, are spells, that's the worst. Chaotic, chaotic, neutral. Oh my god! Yeah, what kind of monster are you? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, as I said, I haven't played like since War of the You know Sparks. what it sounds? It literally sounds like you just like throw down the cards <laughs> on the table and they stick yeah. wherever they land. It's like whatever, yeah. dude. Chaos orb, yeah. <laughs> Well, I actually kind of do that myself. I mean, there's Guys, not that many permanents that matter. <laughs> Look, Mox Diamond might as well be a land. Exploration yeah, is just going to sit in the corner. What yeah. else are you going to do? They're all lands. Play them wherever. I mean, I, I probably would have Ursa Saga in front, right? Because that's oh, a yeah. spell. And, and Some uh, people port. put like Tabernacle and Maze up front because they're like, these don't tap and they have effects you want to remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't do that, but... <laughs> I, I want to see you guys play Vintage Vintage Dread. That, that's always the <laughs> ultimate test. Yeah, I think I think the important thing is the graveyard. You need to have con like yeah. know what's in your graveyard all the time. Did you guys know what what Philip Schoeniger used to do when he still played? No. He he had that thing. Um, he played Top Miracles, and he also put like a lot of emphasis on the graveyard and and like using Snapcaster for value. And what he did is he. Literally, his graveyard was like an extra line underneath his lands. So he didn't like put them on the side and then just like go around. He literally started his graveyard on the bottom left, like underneath his lands, mm. and then it went to the bottom right. Yeah, I've really yeah, seen like people do that. So it's like his hand. His graveyard is his hand. Kind it's of. kind of like his hand, but it's laid, do laid down, yeah, pretty much. Mm. That was and then, and then someone throws him and he puts his hand down. <laughs> And doesn't hmm. take the cards up again, and then it gets really confusing. Yeah, or you take all of them, and use it never like twenty-five cards. Yeah, yeah. I played a draw spell. I have trace. Trust me. <laughs> cool. Okay, so we established that you guys literally just like throw down your cards and they stick whenever, and then you move Maze of it to the front. I see. And <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it. <laughs> no, I keep it back right? here to confuse them. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that, that's the next, do, you, yeah. do you have like a dried up or un upside down, like underneath things? And <laughs> hiding. <laughs> no, uh, well, I think the important thing is to hide uh, Boyuka Bog, right? That has to be hidden. Yeah. <laughs> so the ink, because this happened to me when I played in paper, was I had uh, Boyuka Bog in my hand and I had Tireless Tracker in play and one clue and three mana. And my opponent oh my starts god, doing two this. tokens as well. Oh, I'm checking yeah. out, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then my opponent goes with this complicated line. I think they can kill me with, like, just, you know, chaining Infernal Tutors, but instead they choose uh, Punish, no, Path in Passing Flames. And then when they also cast their Passing Flames, I crack a clue, and I have Buyukabog in hand, but I crack my clue, I flip my top card, it's a crop rotation, 
and I, you know, do like a silence for half a second, and then he concedes. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, always make yeah. your opponent show you the card. Always yeah. do it. Oh my god. I, I thought, you know what I thought you were gonna go with this? Like, I thought you were gonna say like, and then I just literally drop it from my hand to play yeah. as if it came okay, from no. my library. I like, what the fuck that. is yeah. this a cheating podcast? <laughs> yeah. And then I, no, okay, yeah. No, I didn't do that. I didn't cheat. Yeah, but okay. But so, <laughs> I just wanted to make that clear. But something, yeah, so, something that I do online, because online you can cheat, right? So something that I, <laughs> I, that I, I, thought, that like, I do. I'm not gonna say this is cheating online, and then <laughs> that's exactly where you go. But <laughs> if you play, like, if you play, if, if if I'm playing against like a blue-white deck, and I have the Thespian stage and Dark Depths in play, I will activate. End of their turn, I can activate Dark Depths to pay three mana to remove one counter. Then I tap in a way, so I tap my stage to last, and sometimes they concede if they don't have Source of Plowshare. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, That's and, cool. and, and and that has happened. Like it, I'm <laughs> swear to God, it's like thirty percent of the time they concede. It's. Uh, oh my it's, God. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I wouldn't call that cheating, right? No, definitely. It's not, not cheating. That's clever. I, mean, I, I guess in paper, if you do it. I, I, Actually, in paper, if you do it when you know that you don't actually have the mana to do it or something, then it's yeah. I guess that's pretty much cheating. But, but they're, they're different. No, you have the mana. You, you, just, oh, you have like, the mana. Okay. Yeah. You active instead of copying it, you you activate. You pay three to to remove one counter, but then you can choose to tap your lands so that stage is the last one you tap because then it looks mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it might okay, look okay, like I you're see. copying it. Yeah. It's yeah. like you know the reanimated players. They they cast thoughtsies. And then they wait for you to drop your hand, and then they say, "No, I target myself." It's mm -hmm. kind of the same cheesy thing that some people do. But, yeah, I guess okay. in paper the difference is like you're either activating Thespian stage or you're activating Dark Depths. Yes, yeah, so there you have to communicate. Yeah, I guess. yeah. In paper you have to be clear about your actions. And yeah. if you, like that—that's the thing about, about paper, right? If you if you do anything, even if it's legal, with the intention of confusing your opponent or misleading your opponent about the game states, that's already like most of the time just cheating, depending. Probably most of the time. Yes, probably. Okay. By the way, since we established all of this, you guys also play the the forest that looks like a plains, right? <laughs> I actually it's cut not. the art out of a forest and put it on a plains. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know what dude, to tell you guys. I, I play, uh, ice Age forest, basic forest from Ice Age. Uh, actually, Ali and I which, have the same forest? forest we like. Oh, really? It's Pat Morrissey's from Ice yeah. Age. Absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Adam's like, mm -hmm, I would play like a Merodine or 8th edition no, no, white bar. I'm, <laughs> I'm a Mirage lands guy, but the forests are not great for Mirage. Yeah, I love Mirage uh, Islands yeah. and Plains. I used to yeah, play those miracles, too. but uh, the forest yeah. didn't do it for me. Absolutely. Cool. So um, moving on, um, are there any, any special strategies or tactics, like new variants of lands floating around? I think you guys already like we talked a little bit about March or, or some other ways of, of playing lands. Is there anything that's like surfacing right now that hasn't like properly established itself in the scene yet, but that might become a thing? Just tell me that's something, otherwise this question is going to be stupid. Yeah, probably the new yeah. one that's kind of hot is that 8 mulch deck. It's uh, just lands, but it's way all in on like mana bond and exploration. So your goal is just to play mana bond and get to Field of the Dead as fast as you can. So you play four Field of the Dead. You cannot, you don't have stage or dark depths. That's not your plan at all. You're just ramping to field very aggressively. So you have mulch and winding way, which is basically just mulch again, uh, to just draw a lot of lands and dump them in play. 
the deck got twenty yeah, third, I think, on uh, yesterday's challenge, and there's some it's videos good. up on the site and stuff. That's cool. Do, do they play like four mana bond as well? Yeah, I think yeah, so. four mana bond, four exploration. They even play this like one mana green and sh like sorcery that searches for an enchantment in the top five cards of your deck, just as an oh, extra version. That's cool. Yeah, this is almost like the the very first landscape we're talking about. Yeah, it's full circle. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's completely full circle. That's crazy. Very cool. Yeah. It's just Field of the Dead is better than Mishra's Factory. A little bit. Fourteen zombies on turn one. You can't get those beautiful like four seasons zombies. Can you imagine going with this deck and like traveling back in that time? Like this is what lands in the future looks like, and you play against <laughs> it, and you see these like mopey bug decks playing. Uh, yeah, I guess actually they're all playing four pernicious deeds, so maybe it's it's actually better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but still, yeah, you... there's no wraths in Legacy anymore, but there no. used to be quite a few. So the rest yeah, like... I guess there's a new one. Um, yeah, we'll probably um... talk more about it in the next episode. But there's this Grixis thing that kills everything yeah. at like mana cost one or zero. That's supposed to be also good against like anything that comes out of an Urza saga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that deck I'm not looking forward to playing against. That looks a little scary. I have I'm just excited that it's around. Demolished by that card so much. By the way, can we mention the name? Because I actually don't remember it. Hidetsugu consumes all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, get, get those while you can, because that might actually become a legacy staple. Yeah. Yeah, it looks pretty good. I, I played against it this weekend. And I, I mean, it's still kind of the same thing. They're weak to Richard and Port and Choke and Spear of Resistance. So, so it's uh, it didn't really <laughs> and matter. And Lage, yeah. Yeah, Grix has always had a horrible time against lands. Yes. Like, horrible. So I don't see this fixing it. Even though, like, you, you're, the current versions, as you said, you, like, lean on Saga against Control, but I guess the moment you know you're against Grixis, which is quite fast, you just, like, won't go that route. You're like, yep, yeah, Mana Denial works against Grixis so well, right? So, yeah, the March thing, that actually sounds pretty exciting. Is that, yeah, um, Koroshi already mentioned, right? You, you have some content of it up on, on pendrawail.com? Yeah, actually, the person who made the deck... I just messaged them, hey, you want to put something together? And they wrote an article for it. Um, so that, there's a primer, well, mini primer up there with some videos by Punishing Waterfalls. He actually has his entire challenge run. Uh, oh, Punishing video. Waterfalls. Okay, I see. Wasn't Punishing Waterfalls the guy who also ran this? This Blood Bright Elf into... Oh, what, what's the three mana source? Um, pa pass, pa Guided Passage. Guided Passage, that's the one. That searches your library for one of like every card so, type. So except <laughs> Yeah, he seems to like some janky stuff, but he did well with this. Cool. Excited. Actually, you know what? While editing, I will actually watch this. I'm excited. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I think the deck has a lot of room for improvement. Still, it's it's very early days, but it is powerful. I mean, he crushed me with yeah. it for when when we played this weekend, and uh, uh, it is really good in the mirror and I guess against control. But you're gonna be very bad against combo, I think, even against graveyard combo because you don't have crop rotation either. You know, in a way, it kind of reminds me of Madness. Madness is also just like throw everything to the board, yeah. kill you in two, two swings, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Cool. It's so before a little we move more on legs to... than Madness, but yeah. <laughs> before we move on to, to your personal projects that we want to showcase here, um, two more questions. One coming to us from Joel Granahead again. And he's basically asking, like, he's a, he's a newcomer to Lance. Are there any heuristics that you use? Are there any any clues that you get, like, how you want to approach a match matchup? Even, like, like small tactical stuff that you do that gives you an edge that doesn't expose you to some kind of blowout that you can easily play around. Um, and I, you want to go first? Like, is there anything that you do with Lance that really shows you, oh, this is what I want to be doing in this spot? 
I think the important thing to know is you need to know your role in 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 all matchups, and it's tricky because it changes. It can change based on your hand, and you know based on the situation as well. And I think this is some of the hardest hardest thing to learn, and this is where you would lose a lot. I mean, I lost a lot when I played lands. So that's that that that's one thing. So you need to understand, you know, because you have access to all these prison aggro control combo elements, and, and you need to know what is it that you should maximize. And it, there 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 are some tension in, in the deck. Like if you have Richard and Port and Ursa Saga, what is it that you should do? Like, how should you sequence them, and, and how should you use your mana early? Should you focus on mana denial or, or on creating constructs? I think that's kind of the basics that you that you need need to get right. I think you need to pr- play it quite a lot before you start winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the other thing is that you you have to accept that you can't beat the whole combo decks at the same time. So like, don't you know if if you play against Storm and they crush you. Don't don't tilt. I mean, I, I know it's it's might be easier said than done, and I also tilt from time to time. But it's kind of you can't beat everything. It's just something you have to accept. I think when you play this. To add something from my side, because I think that's also quite universal when it comes to. Well, I, I want to say legacy, but it's probably even for the greater thing that's magic, or even beyond magic, because this is a concept that I actually learned from other games that I learned from from um, real time strategy games like Warcraft and Starcraft. You have to, like like you mentioned, right? You have to understand your role and your role might shift. You have to understand the strategy that you are pursuing. And mm. the, the weird thing is for a lot of people and why a lot of people, I think, fail in their ambition to be really competitive is that they don't have the guts to pick a strategy and say, okay, I think this is my role right now and I will play accordingly. I think a lot of people are scared of picking the wrong strategy But the problem is, if you never pick a strategy, if you never set down a path in your head how you will get to to winning this game, then you have nothing to evaluate against. Then you you will never understand, oh, this is a bad strategy because this and this and this Mm -hmm. keeps happening in my games. So maybe Mm -hmm. I should change the strategy. You have to do things wrong on a strategic level in order to get better at this. Like you can always play a tactical game and react and try to like maximize stuff on the board. But you have to just like, in, in German, we call it jumping into the cold water. You mm-hmm. have to do that. And maybe you're going to be wrong. But over time, this is what's going to make you really, really, really fucking good. Like not only good, like really fucking master good. That people look up to you and they will look watch you play and say, I have no idea how they do it, but they keep winning. And mm-hmm. that's, that's where you get. But you have to fucking jump into the cold water and do that. And if you don't, if you're not willing to do that, then you either start doing that or you have to admit that you might not be as competitive as you want to be. And that's okay. Like that's, I guess that goes back to another episode where, that we, t- where we talked about um, how to deal with not playing the best decks and stuff. Like if you don't want to do that, and that's very okay, just be aware what it takes to, to get better and just do it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, other, the other advice I would give to someone starting out is don't overestimate life from the loan. This is something I did in the beginning because you know you, you have you have this dream like when you're new you, you you have these some some hands where you had like exploration wasteland life from the loam tabernacle against Delver and you just crush them and it feels so good 
and then your next hand is like the same without an exploration and life from bloom and you think you're going to crush them again and they just run you over uh, and and you maybe don't understand why why that happens is because you know their threats cost one mana so it doesn't matter if you wasteland them i mean unless you have expiration you're actually not getting ahead so that is something that i i did wrong initially i i just thought that any hand with life from the loam or gamble for life from the loam was was kind of a keep but that's kind of crazy that's... to think right that we used to play gamble in lands <laughs> yeah <laughs> Gurush, you, you were also going to say something right yeah yeah uh i don't know i have a, i have a few different ones we could mention so one of them uh, you already mentioned, which is you better make sure your hand has acceleration. I think Ali mentioned, like, look for a diamond and an exploration, right? The other one is I always try to think how fast can my hand make Merit Lage? Uh, some hands just can't. That's okay. But we have Urza Saga and we have uh, Expedition Map. We have Crop Rotation. Virtually every hand I open will have a combo piece and a tutor. So almost every hand can make Merit Lage. So I just think how fast... And it's very often turn three and sometimes turn four, sometimes turn two if you're very lucky. So I just think about that because there's a lot of matchups where that matters and just having that in the back of your head is a good way to be practiced at that. You know, that sounds really smart, right? Because that's also going to give you some baseline to evaluate all your other options against. You can always go, okay, I have this option to make Marit large and this is going to be so and so good depending on like what my opponent does. And I have these alternatives and then you, you have this baseline, right? And you, you, you try to understand, is this better than what I know I can do with this very specific strategy? Or is it worse? Uh, whereas if you if you don't have that that mental awareness, right, of what it takes and how quickly you could make Marit large, then you're kind of like floating around, thinking, oh, this would be nice, or maybe this, I don't know. So I, yeah, that's actually like a really smart thing. I, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's that sounds really cool. And yeah, something that I do when I try to, sorry, maybe I'm drifting now, but something when I try to discover my role, what it should be in, in a situation, I used to I used to stop up and think, how do I win this game? Right. Uh, and I mean that's like if when I have, when I have my start hand, that's the first thing I think. Okay, so this hand, how do, how does it win? What 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 yeah. what should just need to happen for for me to win? And is it like that this will happen? But also when things get complicated, like when you play against the mirror, for example, it gets complicated, or against death and taxes, can get very complicated. Then I use, I also stop up and think, okay, wait, how do I win? And also if I'm losing, this is another thing. So if I'm losing, if I feel that okay, now I'm actually losing, because you know maybe my my lands opponent has exploration and loam and wasteland, so they're gonna get all my lands eventually. Then again, I stop up. Can I win now? Can, can I win this turn by, by crop mm -hmm. rotating for? So it's kind of stop up and think, okay, how do I win? And if it turns out that going long no longer is the way that I win, then I need to change my, my role from maybe prison to combo. Or yeah, that's yeah. I guess that's kind of like the concept of who's the beatdown, right? You, you, yeah, and that changes over time. and. And the ability to be aware of the changing roles of Who's the Beatdown. And by the way, if you've never heard of Who's the Beatdown, Google it. I think it's probably maybe the most influential magic article ever written too. That, that, that's such a basic strategy, fundamental, that if you if you actually never heard about it, look it up because it's super important. And the beauty of lands is once you decide to go beatdown, you kill them in one turn because your attacker is a 
Yeah. You just uh, have to get over the, the fear of looking like an idiot when they have the swords to plowshares, right? Sometimes that's your only line. Yeah. It's totally true. Like, that's part of what is like a level up, especially after the, a plateauing player, I think. When you are able to recognize, right, this line has a 5% chance of winning at best. You know it's that low, but you know that things are getting worse. Because I think this comes from experience, honestly. Like, it's a really hard judgment call to make, like, thinking, right, this is not going to work. Yeah, they are so likely to have the swords or the answer or whatever. But you just know it gets worse because you've been in that spot before. So you take the gamble. Oh. And you'll you'll be surprised. It works sometimes. You, you do these things and, yeah, they just don't have what you expected. And it also comes from playing a lot of different decks, I've found, when you recognize different play patterns and you see, like, a little bit of weakness here and there and you just, like, you know, go for it. I can't really even explain a situation where it comes up, but... Yeah, lands especially. Like sometimes I'm playing against a lands player, and I'll have like pondered, brainstormed, done all these things, and I'm just like mad rushing for the source of plowshares. It just doesn't come. It's not there. And then they oh. go for it. I'm like, yeah, fair play. They probably realize that every single turn you give the blue player uh, more chances to cast, use their mana, cast cantrips, and find more answers. And you just need to cut that off and make oh. them make them have it on the spot. Yeah, I think this. Uh, there's a really good Lance and Miracles player, Thomas Machine. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, from France. Yeah, yeah. yeah he uh, and I talked to him about the uh, the Oko Miracles matchup before when when that was uh, legal because uh, he played that deck as well. And he he said he when he played Miracles he won against Lance and when he played Lance he won against Miracles. And I guess and actually what was interesting he told me that he went aggressively for Meritage. Which I never do when I play against a, a white deck. I mean, I, I tap three mana to, to try to cheat, not cheat, but uh, tr- trick, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trick, yeah. trick them. Okay, okay. Yeah, but but he just said, you know, yeah, like you said, he he he, he you know, kill them turn two before they find the source of pleasures. That that seems to that is not something I, I'm doing because I've lost to that so many times. <laughs> but but uh, I, I guess he's been on the other side and lost to it as well. So. I guess that that's kind of understanding that people either subscribe to, you know, like a dedicated Patreon for or they go to like your YouTube channel or pendravail.com to to get that kind of extra info to mm. to really understand things not only on a tactical but also on a strategical level, which is most commonly the thing that really sets apart the good from the very good players, I would say. Cool. So one last question before we move into into your respective projects. Since this question always comes up it actually didn't come up in our discord but everywhere i go people always ask this question assuming you're playing at tournaments where where proxies are not legal is tabernacle mandatory for playing lands (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's a short answer it's in the name of the website right but you can have fun without it uh saga actually helps a lot now that you you know there's not that as many games that i need tabernacle now that i have saga uh, to, to gum up the board instead so i think it's reasonable without but uh, yeah, don't go I, to a tournament where you're trying to win money and do that. I mean, the the douchebag answer to this is there, there's a, a an admin in the Lance Discord called Dice from from, from Australia. He t- he told me a story once that he uh, he had his foiled out Lance deck and he was playing uh, locally and his opponent didn't dare to cut his deck, so he called the judge to, <laughs> to have the judge cut cut the deck for him. Because he didn't dare to touch it to destroy the cards, and there's some part of that in in lands. You know, we the, there are special 
especially paper lands, right? We, we, we are a special type of persons that have invested so much in these cards. And we want to also think that, that you know, uh, we are the smart, smartest guys that, that <laughs> spent all this money. In, in, but, but it's, I think, the but the competitive answer is probably that the uh, if you don't have tabernacle, you can just play depths. It's probably better. Than oh, you like, like just go for straight up like green white. Yeah, depth green or white depths. Yeah, that that is probably much better than playing lands without uh, tabernacle. Oh, that's actually smart. I like that. Extra value hashtag. Hey, cool. <laughs> yeah. Does does the mulch version play tabernacle? The what? The mulch and uh, winding way version play it. I could see that one le- needing it less. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah but I thought some people talk about this cutting it there because you don't even yeah, have crop rotation. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's bad with Field of the Dead. I <laughs> yeah. can see that deck not playing it. <laughs> yes, oh, where I see progress. Come yeah. on, you should try to dance. You probably already I mean, are I, a member yeah, of the Oh, it's... yeah. <laughs> There's literally the, the, the requirement to establish a legacy deck server with this card is that Callum has to join it first. I, I spent a lot of time in the Depths meme Discord. Oh, yeah, that's that's secretly the best discard <laughs> of all the legacy discards. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I my answer as well. Like I've seen people it pop up. Like I'm obviously have played lands a lot less than you guys, but I think yeah, if you want to play in a tournament, um, Tabernacle is mandatory for red green lands. The the current versions and stuff like it is just such an important piece against decks with creatures. Like it, it's obvious, but it needs to be said. Like uh, elves, death and taxes, and Delver, of course. I think you'll you'll be able to play the deck. You'll still win a bunch of games, but you will win. You'll lose a lot more games without it. And it's not like playing Shocks and Delver instead. Like this is a card that you cannot replicate. There's nothing else like it. It's uh, yeah. You'll definitely lose quite a lot of games without it. But you you can find yeah the sim like I think Depths is also another a, a good uh, way of putting it because. You know, lands are still making Maratlages pretty fast, as Karusha said. Uh, you are going down that route, so there's a lot of similarities. But um, yeah. Yeah, so- and I think depth, like if you cut tab, like because the way we beat the Sword Plowshares decks is by tapping all their white sources, right? And Tabernacle is kind of important there as well, against like Death and Taxes, say, or. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so if 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 we if. If you don't have Tabernacle, then you might replace it with something like Sigiri's Step, and then then you're already in in depth. Yeah, yeah. and you're basically like a worse version of depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So the next thing I want to talk about, like I want to touch on the two projects that you guys are doing, and there's also some kind of like um, mixing going on, right? I I initially thought, uh, and I was writing for pendrelvale.com or, or like producing videos, but you also, you have your own dedicated thing, right? That you do on your YouTube channel. That's what I think you call it the competitive lands project. Can you, can you introduce us to what that project is when it started, what the goal was and what the current situation with that is? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. So it started this year. Uh, so, so I've been playing competitively for you know since um, well since i would say uh, i top, was born top, top, no, <laughs> no 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 since since top was banned probably when you know that death right death right the uh, shaman when when that was the best deck the four four color death right shaman that's when i stopped playing storm and started playing lands 
and then you know the first six months I was horrible but but uh, once I became pretty good I've been playing online a lot like many 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 days uh, per week and I've been competing on the in the showcase circuits and, and all this and it kind of culminated last year when I qualified for the pro tour so that was the show so the showcase in June last year just after modern horizon one uh, two was printed and then I qualified for that showcase qualifier qualifier that was in August I think or September and I came in second there and qualified for the pro tour and then I kind of lost a little bit motivation to to play online because I think I got a bit burned out to be honest so it's sort of uh, I was doing working way too much at my normal work so I got promoted there and it was just like well crazy horrible stuff and then I was just preparing for the pro tours I was playing like pioneer I think or some some arena format (laughs) Uh, so so I wasn't competing in any I haven't played a showcase since June last year actually So, so and then after the pro tour, I also switched jobs. I resigned from my old job and, and, and got a new job that's less stressful. So then I kind of wanted to say, okay, now I want to play more competitively, but how can I motivate myself? So that's kind of why I started this project. It's kind of mostly for myself, really, to, to, to keep myself motivated and, and, and keep myself, uh, you know, I, I see like magic almost like a sport that you want to exercise like two two days a week or certainly sounds like it from the way you described this project <laughs> yeah yeah so, so that that's kind of why i started it and then i guess the vision of the project is to showcase lands in kind of a competitive setting so you know i want to show games when i play you know against good opponents playing real decks kind of thing so i don't record any leagues that's kind of off the limit. I was going to say, so, so if you ever played against Ally and you, you don't see your video up on his YouTube, you know what to think. <laughs> Real <laughs> no. opponents of good decks. <laughs> or the other way around, actually, but yeah. yeah. No. So, so, uh, so I play prelims mostly because that's I can't really play challenges because uh, the time is so bad. Um, so I play prelims and then some dedicated testing. So I'd like challenge good, good players with, with their decks and... That was kind of the, the the idea. And then season one, which was, I started in, in January. And well, also, maybe I should talk a little bit about the format. So it's it's on YouTube, but also on Pendrel Whale and also on Discord. So I guess it's kind of like a Patreon. It's a mix of articles and videos, uh, but it's just, I don't have a Patreon. So it's kind of free. Well, it is 100% free. Content. You know, you know, it's always fishy when somebody tells you it's kind of free. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tell me more. <laughs> no, it is free. I mean, it, I I don't intend to make any money on this. It's it's not why I do it at all. It's only five thousand dollars to put those lessons into action. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's nothing, nothing like that. Uh, and um, and then it just kicked off. Uh, I've been enjoying it a lot because I, I had resigned at my jobs all January. I was kind of on my notice period, so then I was playing a lot. Uh, and it kind of kicked off. I had a goal to do one video per week, and it's been a lot more than that, actually. Um, and, yeah, it's me playing, and, and then videos, and then articles. So, so season one, we did a kind of tuning of band lands, because when that started, this blue scene deck was kind of the, the deck to beat. So I wanted to have source splashers for Primeval Titan and Ramanaps. 
so that was kind of the the how, like how how can you make banned lands competitive, and that turned out to be a really really good deck. I think I won like eighty percent of my brilliant matches in 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 January play, playing that deck. So that was way way more than than I thought. Uh, but then, the, one thing the, Ali doesn't yeah. mention is he's a really big innovator in lands. You know, everyone just plays red green, but Ali's over here. He's playing Jund when that was thing. He started that. Now he's playing Bant. He plays all different kinds. It's yeah, really cool to see. I even played Mulch way before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do remember you uh, talking about him playing it like a year or something ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- the time when you reveal four lands of Mulch is just <laughs> so good. Like two mana, yeah, easy. <laughs> it's like yeah, when you cast a brainstorm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No, the deck is actually getting crazier by the day. Like we used to do, like tap, tap two mana, get three cards from the graveyard. Now you get four. Like how yeah. far is it gonna go? Yeah. Two mana, draw your deck. Fifty-six lands and four mulch. Let's go. Yeah, there is that treasure cruise <laughs> lands deck, right? Oh my god, I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. Did, didn't somebody actually like five over it or yeah, something? Yeah, it was Timothy. Yeah, yeah. He, treasure. He was, that was the guy who created eight yeah. mulch. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So what would you say? Like, what are your goals for season two right now? Like season two, yeah, so I guess. Season it's two, on. then yeah. So that started in February, uh, and I call it the tournament. So it kind of shows how I prepare for the April showcase challenge. So it's actually not for the one next week. I will play that as well. But so so um, like the first episode, I kind of talk a lot about you know the difference between a goal and a dream. Because I think this is something that a lot of people miss, me included. So, so the way I define it is a goal is something you want to achieve where you have a hundred percent control of the outcome, and a dream is something that you want to achieve but where you don't have hundred percent control of the outcome. So I like that. Yeah. So, for example, like I want to be well prepared for the showcase challenge. That's a goal, right? Because if I, I know if I spend enough time, I will be well prepared. But if I say I want to top eight the showcase challenge, that is a dream, uh, in my opinion. Because even if I'm, you know, super well prepared, the way I calculated it, it was like 17% chance that you will top eight uh, a big Wait, tournament. You, you're telling me you literally have a calculation that yeah, it's fine-tuned enough to give you a result of 17%? To, 17, okay. yeah. So, I mean, I, I even gave it to Jarvis for double-checking, and he, he confirmed it. So, so, <laughs> so, well, so the, way, the, way, the way I did it, it's not that hard. It, uh, it's yeah. you, you, If you look at but like, the best of, like, if you know the mocks, right, the people that goes to the mocks, those are the best of the best of the best online. I think they wizard show their long term win rate is like sixty percent, maybe even yeah, below. That's that. Usually, like what what happens in most competitive things, even at the very top, it's not that much higher. Yeah, but these are the, they're like live to date win rate on modo, yeah. so it's not it's not in that. I mean, yeah. So, so say it's sixty percent. So I said okay. Assume you have sixty five percent chance of winning a, a tournament. Uh, which is, you know, then you're probably among the best legacy players online. And then you play eight rounds, and the probability that you go seven and one or better is 17%. Then. So, I mean, if, if you just assume that every event you know, every round is independent and all this... Uh, oh, okay. So I thought you were you were, you were going, like, way deeper, where we, like, no, estimate no, no. The, 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 the meta game, and then we calculate our expected value against the meta game based on our matchup, based on how we no, configure no, no, our no. deck. I thought you were going, like, way deeper. <laughs> no, not, not in the estimate. I'm just saying, like, even even if you're the best of the best and you prepare, you probably have 
less than thirty percent chance of making a top eight. So, so clearly that cannot be a goal, right? If you put that as a goal, it's like saying, okay, I go to the casino and my goal is to, to win a <laughs> yeah, lot that, of money. that's like for crazy people, right? My goal <laughs> is to win a million dollars at this casino <laughs> yeah. tonight. The roulette, yeah, that can be a dream, and that's fine. You need a dream as well, right? Because you need something to motivate you to to, to prepare. Uh, but you d- shouldn't have that as a goal, right? So your goal should be like, you know, I want to be, have, I want to have a sideboard map. I want to know what the top eight decks will be. I want to kind of have an estimate of the best decks and know how my role is in all those matchups. I want to maybe practice these these matchups before. I think th- those are good goals that you can have. Um, so that's that pretty, was kind that's of, actually a really really healthy way to to also like look at these things that you separate the things that you can influence and the things you can't influence but you know that the things you have influence over are going to have an impact on your overall dream but it's not deterministic right yeah i like that i, yeah, yeah, I was really I think... impressed when i read that article <laughs> it was a really good way to put it together thanks yeah yeah i mean it, it helps myself as well so it's kind of because uh, you know like anyone, you, you want your dream to happen, right? And you get really uh, upset when you end up ninth on breakers or whatever. But it's kind of, yeah, it, it kind of helps you get over that as well. And then you just know that, I mean, so the funny thing with Magic is it is a numbers game, right? You, you, you do everything you can, and then you have your win rate at 65. And then you just need to play a lot of tournaments, and you will get some top eights. And that is true, but there's also a lot, there's also people do tilt especially in the later rounds right so i've done it a thousand times you know when i tilted the last winning in and i've seen it happen to uh, when i like to the people i play against as well i've seen they punt and 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 um and something that's also really important i think is kind of mental um mental balance or mental health when you get into those because you're playing late in night and you played you know a lot of rounds and it is kind of like playing golf right you don't the the person who wins is often the ones that makes the least mistakes and there are many many chances where you can make a mistake when you play so so that is also something that i'm keeping track of like you know i want to get regular exercise uh, before the, the tournaments because i know that and i don't want to play too much like even now i actually feel uh burned out like mentally burned out so i uh on friday oh, we, we apologize <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but it's good because i would have played the prelim today if i hadn't done this instead so so on friday i think my elo on moda was like 1940 and i was like wow i feel so good and then i i this weekend i played way way too much and i went like two three in the leagues and you know and and i just know that it's not great because it's one week before the the showcase so i need to take a break so i'm not going to play this this week at all so that, that's also something to 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 listen to because even like and even the list that i played this week and won the challenge on, on yesterday so it's it's not that my lists were bad or anything it's just me you know i lost to delver three times in a row and i just felt like oh my god what's happening uh but that, yeah. that is unacceptable yeah as land. That is unacceptable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have four jokes in the showcase. Yeah, main <laughs> deck. Yeah, friendship <laughs> with competitive lands project ended. Competitive diver is my best friend now. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, I think I totally agree. Um, it's very easy to like have it be a vicious cycle as well, right? You 
you're losing and you get frustrated and you're like, okay, I need to prove that I'm still good to yourself. It's this little thing on your shoulder and you don't even like notice it until later on. And you just like, you keep jamming and jamming and then you get frustrated and yeah. don't think things through. I think it's definitely happened to me as well. You know, what happened, you know what happened? happened on, on Saturday? I was playing super late, like between Saturday and, and Sunday night. And I was playing against this like Taiga Orcish Lumberjack. Oh, <laughs> turn, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turn to Primeval Titan. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And then, yeah, so uh, I lose game one. And then we go to the sideboard. <laughs> and then I go into game two. And I'm like, I think it's another match. And I'm like, oh no, I'm paired against the same guy again. <laughs> and I, I, look at, I look at my spreadsheet and I'm like, oh no, I played against him. <laughs> and like, I'm paired against wrong. him you, you, again. Like you call up the coast, you're like, no, yeah. this is wrong, please disconnect yeah. me from this match. <laughs> yeah, that's, that. you know, you play too much. Mm-hmm. And some other, like, other things, you know, you, you, you say, okay, you lose. And you say, okay, I can't go to bed on a lose. You play again. And then you have a great hand. You press mulligan instead of keep because you're just too tired. And you, oh, I did it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and you, mulligan has no lands. And you, you're like, mulligan again. <laughs> then, yeah. 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 We've that, all no, been but, there. I yeah. to, 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 to um, add something from my side. That actually sounds a bit unhealthy when you say you can't go to bed on a, on a loss. That's what that, yeah, yeah. That's what, that, that is kind of why I... Why I have this kind of schedule because I, I know that it is addictive and I'm kind of, I am, you know, an addictive person in that sense. So, so it's, it's, uh, it's not healthy. Like it's very easy to play magic online in an unhealthy way. I think so unless you keep like kind of rules, that's why I think you should see it as an exercise. Right. So if you, if you go to the gym, you want to do that like two days a week, right. Or three days a week. And you should do the same with magic online, I think. And I think you, you, at least I saw it, and I think I didn't hack your computer or anything. I, I think I saw like a, an Excel spreadsheet or Google Sheets that you kept, where you even like you filled in your your physical exercise and everything you did and all the tournaments you played. Is it something you keep track of? Is that like publicly available, or how did I actually get to see that? Now I wonder. Uh, well, you must have seen it in a video, then I think so. So I don't. It's not publicly available, but I, it, <laughs> I have hacker it. <laughs> no, but at the end of every episode of the of this tournament i go over like the week kind of how much did i play what what was my score how much exercise did i get and all this stuff it's kind of keeping i have my plan like i want to peak in april and then what, what are the steps steps i should do that sounds very much like the way like people prepare for like the tour de france and stuff like they ride <laughs> all these other um uh, races and stuff it's like oh no i want to peak in june or july or whatever whenever they do it like yeah i've i've got to figure it out and you you already know like in february that you want to peak in april this is like way way further ahead like i don't even know what i'm gonna play tonight <laughs> yeah but i only play one deck though so, so it's uh it's okay easier <laughs> i know well i mean there are many different ways you can build lands but it's it's kind of um and you know, one day, that, that would be like the, the perfect thing for the movie. Like a day or two before the tournament, Wizards just like ban something out of your deck. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that Mox did happen. That did happen. You know what happened? Like the first showcase challenge that I had, like I topped it, uh, a showcase challenge, and it was this 24-man tournament. And I was preparing so much for it, like taking coaching lessons, doing everything. And then they print companions. 
<laughs> and I think Callum, you were also invited. You were also yeah. in that, right? And you came up with the Serda deck. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> destroyed me. And, <laughs> <Your> favorite. <laughs> yeah, and then this Garuda. <laughs> that was too. That was bad. No, wait. They they moved it one. No, they week, banned right? Garuda like within a couple of days because it was bugged. Yeah, but so, it was too bad, oh, yeah. right? It was bugged because Leyland would stop it. So they said, we're going to move the showcase because Garuda is too bad or something. I can't so remember they exactly. moved it one week. But yeah, like, yeah so it, it technically was banned, but just on Magic Online. So it doesn't really count as being banned, but it was just like taken offline for a bit. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that is kind of the drawback of my, of my technique or my kind of strategy to play only one deck and that when these things happens again it's out of your control and i can't find in like a few days or one week's time i can't find a version of lands that's good against a whole new meta i mean you, you need like you need to know those 15 sideboard slots they are really important and you need to yeah. You know, this right. is gonna be like this is this is exactly how I imagine the movie. Like you go in there, you're giga uber super prepared. You're this guy who knows exactly what he's supposed to do, and then like literally five minutes before the tournament, a card gets banned because that's yeah. just like how it works in my scenario. And then all of a sudden, like all your preparation and understanding of the game now you also have to add intuition again now you have to trust yourself on the spot without exactly, having been there yeah. before you're, li <laughs> you're literally luke skywalker in the trenches like trying to to find the the exhaustion pipe to drop the bomb you could you could try my tactic <laughs> of just jamming some shit together and playing a deck and hope it, hope you get lucky <laughs> <laughs> better yeah. lucky than skilled you know <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah i think i think if you if you if i did that uh, over a long period of time, it would be worse. If you shoot, yeah, yeah, but you, but you got to shoot a lot of shots to get lucky sometimes. <laughs> but but yeah. it, I mean, it, I think it's all about how you can maximize your 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 own kind of. Uh, so, so I know, that for example, for me, I'm not like a naturally good magic player. I mean, if if like you know, there are some people that are just very talented. Like they don't have to practice a lot to to be really good. Which that's not really how um, how how I am. I mean, I I need to like part of the reason that I picked lands was that I thought that you know having like a niche deck means that uh, I I would know my role and, and and the situations I'm in better than my opponent, especially when you play in paper maybe because I I played against you know death and taxes a trillion times and my opponent maybe has only played against lands a few times. So, so that that's kind of how I how I thought I would get an edge. I think that's a, but, I think it's a very very good thing to be aware of. I've noticed that like yeah, there are these just naturally talented players, and you'll see them at the top of all the Magic Online kind of events and stuff. Yeah, and they are just good at games in general, and then everyone else has to slog for it. And recognizing in which kind of group you're in, I think just accepting it, and it's it's fine. Like. There's very few people that are like this ta naturally talented at games, and once you recognize you are or you aren't, you can approach things in the manner that helps you get better. Yeah, and it's also how much time you have as well, right? Mm. So, so, so I mean, if like in that when I when I qualified for the Pro Tour, I played against what's his name, Nathan Stewart. I, oh, yeah, I beat he's... him t twice, like in the Swiss and in the semifinals, and he's I mean so much better mm -hmm. than me at at Magic. I mean. Uh, but it, I mean, I can still be there and, and compete with those guys because of my kind of 
niche thing, know, knowing, doing the basic right. So it, it can be done. Yeah. But but uh, of course, like if we, if we were drafting, I would never beat him. Or if you know we, we played standard or anything else, I would I would ne- not have a chance. But but it's I mean yeah, it, it's knowing your kind of you know. What is it that you can achieve? Because I play competitively. I, I don't play for, for fun, in a, in a sense. <laughs> I like that. That's, you know, once Paper Magic comes back, you literally should print that on a shirt. Like, you come to the table. You're, <laughs> like Let's say you're wearing, like, a, a black yeah. leather jacket. Then you sit down, you undo the jacket and says, <laughs> I play competitively. And then beyond that, I don't play for fun. <laughs> so if, okay, guys, if, if, if someone sat down and had that on, what deck would you think they're on? Ever. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, no, no, no. Devil players, uh, they, they, players either are very self-aware and wouldn't do that, or they completely don't care all about that meta-level shit. They, mm-hmm. they think... I don't know. Somebody. Yeah, actually, I would think Lance. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, maybe actually. I would think Deliver as well. If it wasn't for the first bit, I might think Burn. Like, I'm not here for fun, but yeah, not for the competitively yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in my experience, when you play, when I played paper, if you sit down against someone that's super nice, you know, like chatty, or like very, very polite, I know they will challenge me or blood moon me, turn one. It's <laughs> <laughs> the truth. It's the truth. It's like, okay. <laughs> or it's like the magic online, if they say, good luck, have fun, just mulligan to force a will every time yeah i've actually done that a few times and it's worked almost every time as well it's ridiculous how consistent it is it's like good luck have fun good luck have fun keep seven reveals chancellor of the annex exactly exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) every time (laughs) then it's literally just like some angel deck or something and they just happen to have like the one of chance somebody did that at our local by the way somebody did that at our local like he showed up he was totally new and everybody was like you know there's a new guy in town and uh you just like watch the manas, the way he shuffles the stack, and you think, oh, okay, it might be somebody really good. And then, oh, okay, turn one ancient tomb, okay, we might be in trouble. And then he literally plays like Ursa's Incubator and names Angel, and we're like, oh. Hell oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cool. So, Ellie, um, you, I guess it's, you can't really say whether there's going to be additional seasons, but I'm, I, I, I'm always like looking forward to the final of the season to see how, how that's going to play out for you in April. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, so so what will happen now in this season is I will play the showcase this weekend. It's like the practice round, I call it. Then I booked uh, Jarvis uh, for like a coaching session. We will go over all, all the games. Uh, and then I will kind of reevaluate the deck choice that I did. I mean, not that I won't play Lance, but it kind of like right now I'm thinking about Endurance Main and, and I will just to be better against like my my thesis for this showcase will be that i can beat the fair decks uh, without any help so so i i can focus on reanimate and and doomsday in the main deck and uh, i'll see how how that kind of plays out and if i should change that Uh, and then season three will be called the apprentice (laughs) <laughs> Seriously, just, do you have like a whole production crew behind this? <laughs> <laughs> That's only me, yeah, but but that is the 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 what I will do next. I think so. HBO is coming in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, so I, I will teach someone how to play lands. Oh, okay, I that's think. the next level. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, yeah that, that would be the season. So three, you know how you gotta sell it. Like people have to apply now. Like everything is gonna be pooled through Pandorail.com. 
Uh, and Curve is gonna yeah. be like one of the judges, and you're gonna select one of those lucky. <laughs> and one will be fired every week. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I would I'm watch that. It. Literally, I would watch. It. You pick like I don't know, like ten people. Oh, did you waste? You did you wasteland there? Oh, you're fired. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should just play eight people playing lands mirrors the whole way through until we yeah, get a real winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's enough storage on YouTube to like put all of that up. <laughs> I remember I played Lance Mirror once uh, against Philip, a really good Lance player from Chicago. And we were like, I think, round 15 or something. And both had no permanence in play. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both just there smiling, like, as it should yeah. be. Who's winning? Yeah. <laughs> the touch comes over, it's like, like, I don't know, 30 minutes into the round. Okay, they're like, what is this game two or game three? And you're like, no permanence in play, game this is game one. Yeah, yeah. No cards in hand, no permanence in play. <laughs> you decide, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I, I guess we're going to see a lot more of that on your YouTube channel at, as well as on pandrelvale.com. Kurosh, you launched this project. Uh, when exactly did you launch it? I was going to say earlier this year, but actually, I don't oh, know no. because... For the longest of time, I actually, I confused it with the library at pendrelvale.com, which is um, what a friend of Callum and, and, and me, um, uh, Tom, Tom Kellogg. Kellogg, used to run. But this is a completely independent thing, right? Pendrelvale.com. Yes, uh, I saw that name. Actually, when I was picking this one, I was like, that is a very good name. Don't worry, it, 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 it's finished years ago. You can take it. <laughs> no, actually, I started playing lands uh, like January of 2020, probably. And uh, I just fell in love. So I was like, well, I know how to make websites and I'm unemployed right now. So why don't I just uh, have a little fun? And there was someone in the Discord and named Morgamir, an Italian player. And they had written this amazing primer, you know, probably 50 pages, maybe more. So I said, why don't I take their primer? I'll break it out. I'll put it on this website. And that's like the backbone of the website, right? And then... You know, there's a page for content of every kind, and maybe if I want to write an article, I can put one up. And I just link other people's stuff mostly, you know. So I I used to do this more often, and I got to catch up, but I'll go on YouTube. I just search Legacy Lands and pull up whatever's there, and I put it there on, on the website so that it's a one-stop hub for every Lands content you might want. And then, you know, whenever someone top eights a tournament or, or something like that, I'll uh, find them on Twitter or Discord and say, hey, did you want to write a report or did you want to write anything about this? Uh, and they will sometimes. So that eight mulch primer that uh, I just put up, uh, that was I just messaged the person because I heard them talking in the Discord and they seemed to be doing well and other people were excited about it. So I thought, okay, do you want to put, uh, put your list up here and talk about it a little? So it's really completely community driven. I only write like one article every few months. Uh, and I kind of like it like that, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Like I, I mentioned it in the intro, but to me, one of the the coolest things about Legacy that I literally don't see in any other format, I, maybe EDH has something like that. I don't know. Is that people really they go out there and they're like, you know, I love this deck so much, I'm gonna dedicate an entire website to it. Like we have it for Maverick, we have it for the Epic Storm, we have it for Lance now. What, what else do you have, Callum? Is, is there a Painter website or something? It's it's just like so cool that this kind of stuff exists, and now we have it for Lance as well, right? There is not, but I, I definitely agree. There's like the unless I'm mistaken, <laughs> there is one. There's like yeah, greensandzenith.com as well for uh, Dukes with Maverick. There's you Doomsday one, I think. Yes, right? the, the Doomsday Codex Wiki. Something. Yeah, the yeah, Doomsday Wiki, that might be exactly. it. Exactly. Um, 
but there is like this hyper focused like communities where like you you keep mentioning the discord because that's where everything is now and lands is, i think one of the the best ones where you just all know each other you've been chatting for years and like, the doomsday one is like this massive community as well and um yeah the painter one is just incredible for me as well it's one of my favorites i've ever been in and you just ha it's these niche like weirder decks as well that like find these communities where you know everyone's just so enthusiastic about the deck where you just have this place to go to and talk to about your favorite little interactions here and there if you fancy or like, the the latest version yeah i kicked around a lot of different discords uh before coming to lands and i will say i mean not to compare and be mean or anything mm. but i do find the lands people were really like welcoming and friendly Maybe it's uh, they're just green mages and not uh, blue mages or something. <laughs> but uh, I helped. I yeah, helped. No, no shade, really nice. guys. But I helped set up the miracles one and ran away quite fast. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember once I went into the uh, miracles Discord and I posted a screenshot of choke. And I said, uh, uh, greetings from Lance Discord, and no one got it. <laughs> See, I like, thought oh, that was why, why are you playing a tier two deck? Get out of here, kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I do like that kind of... I, I remember seeing that and I thought it was hilarious. Like, it's obviously <laughs> yeah. just a joke and antagonistic for fun, but, yeah, some people are just like, yeah. You know, I wonder which deck would be the very last deck to ever get a dedicated website for it. Like, which legacy deck do you think would be the last Moon, deck? Moonstompy. I was going to say Moonstompy as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. Really? <laughs> I was yeah. so sure it was going to be Delva. No, yeah, there that's is, what I was going to say. There is a, there's uh, been one yeah. for years. Is, there's a Delva website? Delver deck? Yeah, it's a blue, oh, blue-red Delva one, yeah. Oh, you're talking about discards? Yeah. Oh, websites. Oh, sorry. Website. Website. Websites. Okay, I'm just not listening to you guys at all. Yeah, I don't think Delver will get a website either. No, 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 fine. Oh, yeah, website. Yeah, fine. Delver. Because those, those people that are dedicated to Delver, they're too busy winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, sorry, no, that was not meant to be mean. That was not meant to be mean. That's not mean, though. Yeah. They're too busy winning to care about it being mean. Yeah. No, of course, it's going to be like, you know, no, like, I, yeah. I script, like, uh, I, I did, like a Squarespace thing and I just threw it yeah. on. It wasn't a lot of work. I was also but, winning, sure. But, yeah, that is true. But, but, but uh, you, yes, that is, I mean, that's what I meant. I didn't mean to be, on the podcast I, did, yeah. for over a year now. I, I didn't mean to be mean to you, Korosh. I think and you are winning. I, I heard it as very No, mean. no, I didn't yeah. take it in any events. So. Yeah. <laughs> fight, fight, fight. <laughs> I know, I've, so, I've won enough. I'm happy. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not as competitive as Ali, I think, but you know, I, I have enough uh, wins to be feel comfortable with my play skill. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, how many people would you say altogether are involved on on Pendraway? Like writing, uh, like maybe not even regularly, but how many people have contributed to Pendraway at this point? Oh, over the whole course of it. Uh, it's really just me who runs it. There is uh, another person who occasionally helps edit articles. They're like a professional editor, and they just chatted me one day, and they said, hey, can I help you? And <laughs> I said, okay, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess me, Ali, and then... So those Ali is one of the major contributors. He's written in many articles. I don't know, probably 15, 20 people, maybe more, wow, have written okay. uh, content for us. And like I always, every time I, well, no, I don't do this anymore, but I used to, every time I put something up on Reddit to, you know, say, hey, listen, you can look at this. I would say if anyone else wants to write something, feel free. You know, I don't I don't have like incredibly high standards. Don't write trash, right? And I don't really want to hear a tournament report about your FNM unless it was very exciting and you wrote it very well. Uh, but, you know, even if you're totally new and you just wanted to say, here's what I learned being totally new or something like that, that could be an interesting article. Uh, I don't know. I just want to open the door for a lot of perspectives because it's discord is really ephemeral we're just like chatting and then tomorrow you forgot what you said and it's nice mm. to have this kind of uh, record and 
a little more long form content. I think. Yeah, that that's kind of what I felt as well. That the website is really filling a a, a, a gap. I think so. Discord, the Lance Discord is super active, but if you want to post something uh, like a you know more strategic, that's kind of you want to, it to stay and you want to go back and look at it again, then I think Discord is not the best. You know what? I was just just like thinking for a moment. If if this was the '90s, then you know people would release like actual magazines, like the Diver magazine, the Lance magazine that you could subscribe to, and people would literally like print it and send it to your house. That would be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna look at printing presses and stuff. Ali, let's figure it out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, if you, if you if you were to like pool all all the legacy writing that happens every month and you you edit and select the best articles, I mean, it's never gonna be something that's gonna like cover the costs or anything. But it would be so cool to just like get that and like to print it on nice sheets of paper and everything. Ah, oh, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. So you already mentioned, right? You're open to to more people submitting their content and. Uh, how would be the best way to go about that? Should they just like reach out on Discord or send you an email, send you out, uh, something on Twitter? Uh, what are you looking yeah. for? Uh, at the bottom of every page on that website, there is links to uh, that will lead you to me. So you can just send me a message and pitch me your idea or just send me your article that you've already written. Or if you have some video content I haven't linked properly, let me know. Like I said, I'm a little behind on that, but I will get to it. Yeah, and it can be from the outside if you want to say, oh, I... I I play Delver a lot, and here's what it looks like when I play against lands, or something like that. That could be interesting perspective too. Just for Ali, here's, here's a video just, of me playing Zelda. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> no banned cards. Okay, that's old. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Look at this. I played this triple black Lotus deck against a Legacy deck. <laughs> you will never believe what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll never believe it. It's sure. Arkham's Astrolabe into Blood Moon. It's oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> That's fine, you've got Force of Vigor now. I'm ban Astrolabe. Besayu. I got Besayu oh. main deck, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tree at it. Oh yeah, you yeah. can you can besage you my Astrolabe, please. By the way, we we never touched on Besage. Is that um just like to give you a, this is very out of place with regards to the overall structure of the episode, but since Besage was such a big car to be printed, is it as good as advertised? Is are you guys like super thankful that it was printed or is it like oh, yeah. in and out of the deck? No. I don't think we're. I'm gonna cut it anytime soon. The question is two or one for me. Yeah, I. That's where I am as well. I'm at two right now, but I think maybe one could be the right one. Uh, it's extremely good in the mirror. Like mm -hmm. you, you wouldn't, you you wouldn't believe how how good it is before you actually kind of see it happen. Because the, the way it works is, you can wasteland your opponent and make a land drop yourself. So it's kind of having low member sage you is the same as having exploration and low in, in that way that you get head Tradi run. yeah uh, traditional lands has like three things it can pick up with Boseju. you know two tigers in a forest so it quickly becomes just yeah. two mana sinkhole yeah and i guess just having answers to other explorations as well it's just yeah huge. exactly yeah. yeah it's insane in the mirror it's so good and then it's just it's very good against the control decks and it just makes us more resilient, I think. So we, it's going to be much harder for the blue decks to hate us out. Yeah, because I guess so like can... back to basics and Blood Moon have always been like real pains for you guys. But yeah, the only downside I see is it's just, I guess it's just a land that can get wastelands against Delver. Like it, yeah. it doesn't really do much against Delver, but having the floor of just tapping for green is pretty good, to be fair. 
Yeah, if it's tough for colorless, it might be harder to fit because green mm. sources are a tight thing for us. But yeah, having for green is great. And with Saga for map for Brasagia, you have virtually like six copies of the card in the deck, even if you only play one. Very good so point. It's not hard to find. Yeah. yeah, I think if you play many maps, like some people do, like yeah. two or three maps, then I think you can play one Brasagia probably. And, yeah, and sometimes I think the second should just be a second map. But anyway, that's yeah, little, that's what detailed. I'm thinking. As well, yeah, and another, another land that's kind of actually impressed me more than I would think is uh, Ottawara. The blue oh, yeah. Basayu, yeah, that's been really good. In in is that I the one that bounces creatures, bounces mm -hmm. anything. Creature, planeswalker, artifact, or la or enchantment. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I haven't played that card yet. That's awesome. So that, yeah. that it's yeah, it's it's surprisingly good actually. It's like the the. Uh, yeah, you can bounce the fairy in response to no, not the fairy, Narset in response to this undoing and stuff like that. Even if they have the fairy in play, so um, and it's just like with with life from the loam, it's it's really good actually. Just bouncing whatever they play, your opponent, and then you loam it back and you make land drops. So you're kind of progressing your plan, but your opponent is not really just recasting what they did uh, last turn. So that's been actually better than much better than i thought it would what's the name of the card again i don't understand it uh ottawar i don't know what the, some soaring that sounds cool ottawar yeah. you know it actually sounds a little bit like japanese it looks like a starship destroyer okay you got it <laughs> i don't even care about this. <laughs> like yeah look up the showcase art it's a star destroyer <laughs> yeah it really is me. i can't afford the big lego one but i'm gonna get the, the legacy one <laughs> yeah cool guys what do you say? We, we move on. We, we got a couple more last questions from our Discord. Uh, I think the one from coming to us from Scott, good brother, I think we answered most of what Scott has asked. But we got a question here coming from Phil. What, what's been the era of Legacy that you've enjoyed playing lands in the most? I think you guys only started playing lands like some years ago. Uh, but during those times, what have been your favorite eras? Uh, just before War of the Sparks. Hmm. So when, that was a cool when, time. Yeah, when Blue White, True Name Nemesis, Stoneforge Mystic was winning a Grand Prix. <laughs> that when, that era was so fun. So the fun. only time I remember where Delver was like bottom tier. Eh? I'm yeah. Trying to remember, was that like after after Deathrite was banned, but before we got like out of the War of the Spark? Um, yeah. Nastiness? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I think a lot of people have have mentioned that like it's one of. If, if Legacy had like several golden ages, then people usually bring that one up. I think there's even like a pre-war uh, format that people are trying to push. To tell you why, Delver was playing uh, Monster Sifspear and Sw and the Storm Chaser Mage as their threats. Oh yeah, I yeah. remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's why it was okay. Well, against yeah. us, they had like Blood Moon and Price of Progress, so they were still pretty hard. Mm. Blue Red Delver then was was pretty scary to play against. Yeah, them. that's fair. Uh, but I think yes, I think the combo decks were also a bit worse. I felt they were a bit slower. Yeah, it was like uh, Ant and Show and Tell, basically. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. That, yeah that and was... for me, it's pretty much like the era when I I played it. I didn't actively play it, other than like during that that um, very very puzzle episode of Lands, where you you really had to like figure out what to do with your intuitions and stuff. I really really enjoyed that. But I, weirdly enough, moved on from that and moved into Merfolk. Like, I don't know what that's <laughs> <laughs> But Merfolk was, like, a really good deck back then. Uh, actually, I played Merfolk and, and Lance interchangeably. Sometimes Lance, sometimes Merfolk. But I, I really enjoyed playing it back then. 
So, second question. What's your wish list for new lands printings? Like, what, what are you missing from lands right now that you could see in the conceivable future as a thing that Wizards prints that fixes a problem or, or that, that you are having right now? I think we had this. Oh, yeah, we had this. Yeah. Uh, I think there are, there are a couple of things. So, one, like a one mana uh, spear of resistance for instant and sorcer sorceries. That would be quite okay. nice. Something okay. you can find, find, find from Ursa Saga. I think a lot of people would love to play that, especially if it was like on a creature or something. Mm -hmm. And then, like a land that would do something against spell based combo, like a land that you could sack to make your opponent not cast. Non-creature spells. I was about to say land sacks to like Fluster Storm or something. Yeah, that would also be yeah. very good. <laughs> It'd be so Silence good. land would probably be pretty broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd play it. <laughs> Silence land is horrifically broken. What are you guys on about? <laughs> yeah, Silence land would be giga broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if it did silence, but only when it came into play? Because then it would just protect you on your own turn in normal decks. Right? Yeah. yeah something that makes crop rotations... Maybe Stifle Land would be pretty cool as well. Stifle Land would be hot. I, I've always thought like a, a spell paced land that like has the ETB though, so you can only crop rotation for it or knight yeah. for it or something. But yeah. Oh, God, can you imagine like I you, you, you could literally that. like knight to counter a spell or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did also think you could put like you gain hexproof on a land ETB. That's what I've really wanted. Lane Line of Sanctity oh. Land. Yeah, for a yeah. while. But that, now like that was always for tendrils of agony or like grape shot. Right. But now it's just doomsday. So. It probably wouldn't be very good, but and then another says, like Torpor Orb, Orb would be good. <laughs> the Torpor Orb land, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, that'd be weird. Think, and then we have the Mountain Borg. That would be pretty nice. I will crush your your wishes there. Maro has said they're never yeah. printing that because of Alicut. Yeah, for modern, is that it for modern? <laughs> like I guess they could make a command. A, a command in a commander thing. <laughs> I don't know. That, okay, <laughs> that would be great in the eight mulch. Deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So the last question um coming from Furness, what's your favorite card that never really quite made it into lands? Like what did you try? To, and uh, actually let me start off to to speak of the old lands that was smokestack. Like smokestack we played it on and off as basically a weird solution to basic lands, but that's just me 12 years ago. What is your current never really quite made it thing? While you guys are thinking, me and Marcus have tried to make Horn of Greed work, work a bit. It doesn't. It's horrifically bad. But oh, that, do, 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 do. Slow down there. Horn of Greed lands? Like, Turbo yeah. lands? That was very much a thing. No, no. I know back in the day, yeah. it was one of my favorite decks as, a, like, a young kid. I loved Turbo lands. Um, and, like, yeah, with, with the Oath as well for the Crows. Yeah, and Walk the Eons. Yeah. But, um, no, no, I'm talking about, like, recently. We were trying to put Summer Bloom and Horn of Greed into, like, some blue-green lands with Uro and stuff. It was... Well, so <laughs> but yeah, I'm just giving you guys time to think. <laughs> there we go. So I think there are a couple of so on both spectrums. On the like Renan Seven was was one recent that I think looked so like all the abilities are so good, but it's just one mana too expensive. I, think. I could see that. Yeah, if that was uh, four mana, that would have been would have been our Jace. Yeah. And then on the other Should have four mana so, and dredge. That would have been good. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, or escape. But, but, but the, the, on the other end, I think oh. there are a lot of ca cards that were printed for us that Delver stole, like Renan 6. Yeah. That was just like so... It was... I like. I really like the annoyed <laughs> yeah. tone in your voice. That Delver <laughs> yeah, stole. Yeah, they did. I mean, they stole our Christmas presents. Yeah. 
And put I mean, Brandon Six was printed for Lance. Even in the spoiler article, they had a, like a deck list Lance, I think. Uh, but yeah, it was better in another deck, unfortunately. That 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 was also a card. I mean, imagine that with the channel Lance. That would have been so good. <laughs> for me, it's a Vraska Golgari Queen, I think. The four mana one. That's a cool card. Yeah. Yeah, the I have like the shiny one, and it's like so pretty, <laughs> and it's cool because it does have nice abilities. You get a lot of extra nonsense in your deck, so you can sacrifice it. And this sounds like cool. good enough reason to play it to me. I've played it, and it has been good and fun. Yeah, but uh, I don't yeah. think I'd register it if I was trying to win. <laughs> yeah, I played it with uh, spreading algae. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That was a cool deck. Yeah, yeah I was <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that that's an entire deck of its own. Sometimes people try to make. Sushi, I think it even has a name, but yeah, I don't remember. It's sushi lands. <laughs> when you really, 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 really hate islands <laughs> uh, and planes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I played that against uh, uh, one of the grinders that played Esper Wild. <laughs> oh, JTL. So good, but no, not him. It was a uh, Koki. Oh yeah, yeah, and. and uh, I just destroyed him because, you know, they have swamps. So, so I was like, <laughs> spread, spreading algae and, and tabernacle. And I was, and then I, I wrote, there was just when I started testing that deck, and I wrote him in chat afterwards, like, I'm not sure if it's good enough. And he, he was like, like, what do you mean not good enough? It was the card that, <laughs> you know, yeah, you swamps. <laughs> I guess nobody saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so, very last question. The best question, actually, of the evening. And something people have talked about ever since the deck was created. Coming to us from Franco Body. If you could change the name of the deck, Lance, into something else, what would it be and why? Eternal Garden. I like that name as well. Eternal Garden's a good name. I like Lance. It's just very... Eternal Garden's yeah. really cool. The thing about Eternal Garden, though, is that that was like a split-off from the old Control Lands. And uh, from what I remember, Eternal Garden was more like trying to sometimes play even like for Crucible and played more of a permanent-based game, like not only lands, but also some other stuff. Uh, so, like, history-wise, it's, it's basically like a spin-off from Control Lands. So, yeah, I, 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 I guess I would be the only person who would have a problem <laughs> with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but the name Eternal Garden is amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. It's a thousand times better than any like lands, forty-two yeah. lands, what have you. There is one last question we didn't get to at the beginning, which I want to ask Kurush. Uh, it's from Kinda. Oh, yeah. Kinda says, "Question for Kurush and Callum and anyone else who plays 40k. Which 40k armies are you most looking forward to getting commander decks, and why is Tyranids your top pick?" What are you doing, Kurush? You know they're gonna make Tyranids. Tyranids is so popular. Yeah, but oh, I 100%. actually think. I, okay, I don't know. I don't play Warhammer 40k really, but I did go on some binge of watching a bunch of lore videos. There's some British guy who just makes lore videos. Oh, I know. They're hours long. Yeah. And they're really amazing. Anyway, so I just watched those all night. I don't know. And there was one about orcs, and he said the orcs are like funguses and they just grow underground and then crop up as an orc with the t shirt on and everything. <laughs> and I thought, this is insane. Yeah. How did no one tell me about this? Because this should be a huge selling point of the game, for one thing. So orcs then, also, they they are like magic. If they believe something strong enough, it yeah. happens. So if they believe they can fly, they actually fly. Yeah, they have like groupthink. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, what the fuck is this lore? It's amazing. Yeah. So I want to see that as a magic card. 
Cool. Uh, somehow make the mechanics work for that magic stuff and being a fungus and everything. Yeah, orcs will be an amazing one. It's also like the most immature army. It's amazing. All their elites are called <laughs> knobs. So you just get to make great jokes. Wait, I only just now realized that we were talking about this in terms of, yeah, yeah. of magic. It, it, like, is, is this being confirmed? Are yeah, we getting yeah, the yeah, universes yeah. beyond 40k? They're going to make a 40k set. Oh my god. Are, are, there, are there like space yeah. elves there's, or there's space There's good elves and bad elves. Creatures? Uh, Eldar and Drukhari are the bad ones. There's like dark gods and everything. Yeah. yeah. Eldar sounds like super overpowered. <laughs> so they have been overpowered for every single edition apart from the last year and they're about to get new rules this week and they're about to be overpowered again so yes oh exactly God. good guess I, I should get into this <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool, cool. obviously so, i'm gonna get tyranids because i love them awesome yeah so guys thank you so much for coming on the show tonight if people want to get in contact with you uh Kurosh, you already mentioned right people could find you on uh but what are your socials? Do you do? You, where can people like send you memes <laughs> on Twitter? Um, where do you live if they want to send yeah, you like a birthday cake or something? On... Sorry, yeah. If you want to send me birthday cake, uh, <laughs> just send it to Denver. Twitter's... That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just put it in the middle of Denver. I'll find it. <laughs> uh, actually, my socials are really hard. There, it's Aslid Six Siroxy. Uh, so okay. <laughs> you should probably just go on sure. the land Discord and <laughs> like it'll predictive text that. <laughs> so yeah. Nice. This is how you get like no one following you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. I, I always say Aslid and then make a sound. Aslid. <laughs> I like when I follow people on Twitch and they try to say my name. So that's <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Oh, I should come up with something horrific to say. Like not not rude. I mean, just like loads of random mumble jumble. <laughs> and Ali, where, where can people find you? They can find me uh, in Discord. Lance Discord, that's probably the easiest. Uh, or on Twitter. Uh, or, I guess, YouTube now. This is where you advertise the name of your YouTube channel. Come on, guys. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, my, my name is just Albert Lindblom, I think. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I have a link tree. I can I can send you that. Yeah, I'm, 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 so all of this I already actually already put all of this in the show notes. I was just like thinking, I would guess like ninety percent of the people don't actually like go into the show notes and be like, oh, this is the link. They they just like oh. hear it and next time they're on Twitter, they are they are probably just be like, hey, let me put in this whatever course uh, Twitter name is. <laughs> but <laughs> Aslid Six so Roxy on, on Twitter, I'm Ali. Yeah, pretty easy. Actually. Ali on. <laughs> yeah, so I think on Twitter I'm Ali on. MTGO. Cool. So this is where people can find you there. If you want to follow the podcast, you can find us on at EternalMTG on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to watch me sometimes stream like once or twice a month right now, it's twitch.tv slash it's Julian. Callum, if people want to find you, it's twitch.tv slash Callum Smith MTG. Yeah, that's, that's the Twitter and Twitch as well. Yeah. Perfect. I think that's the first time I ever got it completely right for anyone. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'm so happy. Same. Oh, by the way, big Big, big shout-outs to everybody who left a review on iTunes the other month. Seriously. we I think in the last couple of weeks, we got more reviews than in the... I think... I, I want to say in the last two years combined. Seriously. Thank you so much for leaving... Like, this is this is something... I, I always, like, share it to our, our Facebook chat, and I just want to say thank you. That, that was actually overwhelming. Like, every other day, a review came in. Thank you so much. If you want to leave us more, you, you can do that. Or if you want to join the Discord, if you want to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash everydayeternal. Big shoutouts as well to our supporters there. We got a really cool community. They're mostly obsessed with like 
food and 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 cooking and stuff. So that's actually my favorite part of the Discord. And <laughs> especially biggest shoutouts to our Eternal Witness tier supporters, Tommy Hinks, Testacula, Sebastian Holaga, DM, Jake, Hanawar Elf, and Severin Schwarzuber. And our Grizzlebrand tier supporters, Victor Benatz, Baju Batz, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henry Korkutz, Tom Hepp, Joel Grenahead, and Paragon Games in St. Louis. Have a great time, everybody. Enjoy well, the last hours. For us, it's the last hours of February. I think this episode is only going to come out on, on beginning of March. Have a great spring, wherever you are, and see you again next time. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks, everyone. One last thing that Eli just uh, threw in the chat. Apparently, Circle of Protection Blue is playable right now Shh. because... <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Yeah, it gets around Vard, so you can actually hurt Kappa Cannon yet. No, <laughs> leave is, him alone. This is why you listen to the very and end Mark, of the and, and Mark Tide region. Perfect. And Mark Tide region. <laughs> See you next time.